So introduction to tracking. Uh, visual tracking, that's the art of being able to follow a person or an animal along a path of sign they have. Uh, when a man or a beast moves across an area, they alter to a varying degree the visual appearance of the ground and or the vegetation on that ground. Uh, it's by the unusual appearances that a visual tracker is able to follow and track the quarry. Uh, animals do not try to conceal their tracks. Uh, they have a set of characteristics which, when known, make tracking them comparatively easy. Uh, a person, however, uh, may be interested and skillful and uh, be attempting to conceal his tracks. So tracking is a very precise art and all trackers, if they're going to achieve and maintain a high standard of tracking ability, they're going to require a considerable amount of practice. Uh, there's a, a need to be able to interpret signs left by uh, a person or an animal. And uh, this discloses important information about that person or about the animal. Uh, it should be it should be recalled that uh, in most difficult uh, that it's difficult even for small groups to move across a terrain of any type without leaving some sort of sign that's noticeable to the trained eye. Uh, some of the more difficult terrain is hard packed ground or stony hard packed ground. Uh, when locally enlisted civilians are used as uh, visual trackers, it should be recalled that um, they have little or no particular military knowledge and they're skilled only in tracking humans and may not know a counter-deception drill whereby a, a tracking team avoids leaving signs that uh, an enemy can use against them. So tracking is the ability of, a, of an individual to perform certain tasks. Um, related to identifying and uh, using the uh, the movement of a person or an animal across a terrain. So you want to locate and identify to find the track and determine if this is the quarry's track to be followed. To follow human or animal, uh, to be able to follow humans or animals by the signs they leave. You want to be able to interpret, that is to, uh, for the most part, um, for the most important factor uh, in being able to track is to interpret it. Uh, the signs have to be studied carefully, and then the tracker has to be able to recognize uh, the same signs among many other signs and uh, identify the type of person or animal being followed whether the person's lazy or tired, alert, confident, injured. These are all indications of morale and, and discipline uh, that, that, uh, that keep the tracker on course. Uh, you want to notice any slight changes, no matter how small, of, uh, of the sign and investigate it thoroughly. Uh, through the sign, be able to determine and anticipate enemy movement, direction, uh, deceptive tactics, and... Uh, uh, plan of movement um, and animal also. So you want to be able to determine and anticipate uh, human and animal movement direction, deceptive ta tactics, and a plan of direction. I want to have a complete knowledge of all available sign and uh, continuously study the ground and country in relation to the direction and movement of the, of the, uh, of the quarry. 
Uh, types of tracking are two methods uh, by which visual signs or tracks can be followed. That's visual tracking and scent tracking. So visual tracking, obviously, this is uh, uh, something that a human would do, and scent tracking is what uh, a dog would do. The two methods of tracking indicate that the senses of sight and smell are used. Uh, in addition, the sense of hearing and feeling are used, and the latter are only to a slight degree. Uh, humans do do scent tracking somewhat. Um, obviously, human olfactory capability is is uh, much uh, inferior to that of uh, dogs and other um, scent tracking animals. So uh, it's not something that humans use all that much, but it does add to tracking capability. Um, and you want to remember when you are tracking an animal that uh, an animal has a very strong capability to scent track. And uh, this is a weakness on part of a human to um, not really be very aware of how much scent a human leaves behind and not to carefully uh, m modify uh, your plan of pursuit, tracking pursuit of your animal quarry in such a way that you are hiding your own scent, like staying downwind from, from your quarry when you're surveilling and so on. Uh, in all parts of the world there are different areas or locations, um, different types of terrain. In Southeast Asia there's rubber plantations and palm oil plantations and pine pineapple plantations, uh, beluka, that's a tall grass, fern, primary jungle, secondary jungle, bamboo patches. Uh, these cover areas uh, measured in square miles and then like small rocky patches, mangrove swamps, uh, freshwater swamps, paddy, kampong or village areas, and uh, scattered squatter and kampong. Um, a closer look at rubber plantations can show just how much a, a tracker has to know about an area in which they're required to track. A uh, tracker on a rubber plantation has to know um, a good deal about how the plantation is is laid out and uh, uh, the tracking signs for each type of rubber uh, plantation uh, that's, that's being um, surveilled. So for under there'd be following conditions. There's uh, You would have to know the um, dominant tracking signs that differ from morning to afternoon and before, during, and after rain. Um, you would have to, you have to be tracking signs common to the locality and to follow them. So first you would need to know uh, the before and after visual tracking signs. So what the terrain looks like before and uh, what it would look like after. So if you're in a if you're in a pineapple plantation, pineapples are uh, uh, they're um, 
they're partially embedded and uh, they grow up out of the ground uh, so that you you can see pineapples uh, um, you know sticking up out of the ground and uh, if you're tracking through this area this area has been uh, the the um, the ground has been broken uh, to plant the uh, pineapples and so a person crossing that terrain um, you know they're they're walking through uh, basically a, a plowed field that has um, pineapples uh, arranged in a plant in planting order uh, if you're in a if you're in a um, if you're in a rubber plantation uh, rubber is uh, it, it's drained out of trees like uh, like you would get uh, maple syrup it's basically you tap the trees tapped uh, and uh, a bucket is attacked attached to the spigot and then the the uh, the rubber is uh, drips out in liquid and then it's uh, processed into the type of rubber that is used in a commercial and industrial usage so uh, that's a that's more of like a um, an orchard uh, with um, the ground on the floor of the orchard is uh, is covered with uh, debris and um, growth for that area of the world. So you sort of ha you have to know that the difference between an apple orchard in uh, in Washington State and an orange orchard in Florida and uh, a rubber plantation with rubber trees in Southeast Asia, you know, what the different kinds of flora and fauna are and uh, how those flora and fauna affect the, um, the tracking area that you're going to be moving through so that you recognize uh, what you're looking at as you're trying to track through that area. I uh, usually get used to it when you've been in country for a little while. Uh, you you know you get a feel for what to look for um, and you can do a little bit of research beforehand and uh, you can always just uh, as long as you stick to your quarry uh, you note your your quarry's particular track and you just follow that particular track you kind of learn as you're going along what the other stuff is around it um, you can decipher your quarry's track out of it and use that to help inform yourself for later later tracking expeditions. Um, so factors that influence tracking are the sun, the rain, temperature, uh, terrain, different types of terrain produce different uh, signs. Some terrain is more difficult to track than others. Um, you have uh, the Beluka and secondary jungle. 
This is probably the easiest tracking terrain. There's uh, any movement through it's bound to leave uh, quite a bit of top sign, uh, especially if, if any cutting is involved. So, you know, if you if you are encountering a, a quarry that's um, having to cut their way through a jungle area with a machete, obviously this is going to be fairly easy. Or they're chopping their way through with a, they've got a bit, they've got a, a stick that they're using to uh, open a hole through fairly heavy foliage. Um, that's going to be pretty obvious. If you're following an animal, uh, and it's a larger animal, we'll say like a, like a wild boar. Uh, this makes a kind of a, a larger hole through a jungle, and that's a little bit easier to follow. So uh, if sign is uh, considerable with the use of equipment or tools, that makes it a lot easier. Uh, primary jungle is a wide variety of sign that's evident, disturbed dry leaves and damp underside that have a distinctive darker color and odor. Uh, broken twigs and branches, green and dead, those also, especially in the jungle, they have uh, um, stronger uh, visual and odor. Uh, there's a boot impression in the soft ground and rotting matter, or foot, barefoot impression, or uh, uh, animal imp foot impression, uh, hoof or paw. Uh, vegetation pushed aside as a into an unnatural position and and uh, it shows light underside of leaves where the uh, the quarries passed and and uh, bent the leaves aside. Uh, there's scratch marks on trees and logs where pe where uh, human quarry or animal quarry have have uh, clambered over or uh, uh, slid over. Uh, broken cobwebs and uh, other similar uh, indications of passage. Twigs lying on the ground, uh, not disturbed in and of themselves. They can be pushed aside or knocked aside uh, from their original from their original um, position or broken. This leaves an impression. Uh, there's grasslands tracking in. High grass is relatively easy. Uh, it's it can it's bent and and uh, pushed in the direction of travel. Uh, it does create sort of a path effect. You can actually see a path of gra through grass, uh, even just uh, even just a lawn. If somebody walks across a lawn, especially during early morning when there's dew or in the evening, uh, or if it's been undisturbed for some time, uh, the passage of a person across it. May not leave necessarily footprints, but it does change the color of the uh, the grass or grassland. Uh, the color contrast is evident, uh, and in short short grass, the same color contrast is present. Uh, it's not so evident uh, in shorter grass, obviously, but it still um, it still shows the passage of a, a person or animal across it. Uh, animals can cross across grassland a little bit less obviously than than humans. Uh, footprints can be found by lifting crushed grass and looking underneath it. Wind and rain, uh, wind and rain quickly obl obliterate that track. However, uh, in rocky country, rocky country is one of the more difficult areas to to track through. 
Uh, if you want to try it to see how difficult it is, you can go to um, like a trail that runs up a mountainside uh, that's used uh, for hiking um, for, you know, in, a, in open parkland here in the United States. And, uh, and just wait until somebody, a group of people, crosses that, uh, that trail, goes up that trail, and then follow behind and see if you can track how many people there are and what kind of track they leave behind them. Uh, it can be very difficult, even with a large group of people, to, to acquire a track on hard, rocky ground. There's no footprints, and uh, it really is reliant on, on you know, the m knocking of pebbles aside or the movement of, uh, of um, different uh, flora on the trail that uh, are disturbed by the passage of, of uh, people on foot. And it's even more difficult for, to track an animal on that ground because of course animals uh, with paw or hoof leave a, leave a lot fainter track behind if they're not leaving a a clear track in mud or dust then uh, it can be very difficult to, to track them they are less likely to knock things aside than humans um, So tracking can be made easy by marks left behind and the type of uh, signs or marks or uh, footprints uh, on on water banks on the bank of a stream. Uh, footprints in shallow water, mud stirred up, or the discoloring discoloration of water. Um, smaller stones or rocks can be knocked out of their resting place or pressed into the ground. Uh, the underside is usually dirty, uh, while the upper side is clean. You can see that the rock was, the stone was half buried in the, in the uh, trail and was knocked out of uh, where it was buried in the trail and it's left a, uh, it's left a hole in the trail and also the, the stone itself is discolored. Uh, the top of the stone will be colored by the elements so it's faded and the bottom of the stone uh, like when you have a piece of furniture in the house and you haven't vacuumed under it for a while, if you move the piece of furniture aside, you can see that the floor underneath it, or you have a picture on the wall, you take the picture off, it hasn't been off the wall for some time, the wall behind the picture is lighter colored because the the general movement of air and uh, environment colors the area around uh, something that's sitting in it. And when you move that object, the area underneath it has been protected from that discoloration, which is a fading or a, a darkening of it. And it remains light and bright colored. Uh, it's one of the ways to, um, to note that things have been moved. Uh, the exposed soil is usually obvious. Uh, a nailed boot, a boot with nails in it, can leave uh, rock scratches. And rubber-soled boots can leave black marks on rocks. Uh, there's moss on rocks that can be disturbed uh, or scratched. Uh, crushed insects can be seen sometimes. Signs uh, can be found in the soft area of the ground near large rocks. 
uh, movement can be channeled by terrain contours, so large boulders and, and impassable areas uh, channel um, the passage of, of quarry through that area, and it makes it a little bit easier to relocate a trail if you've lost it. Uh, sand is easy to track in or easier. Uh, the biggest problem for a tracker is wind uh, and uh, strong elements. These can obliterate tracks and, and the impressions that were made even just a few minutes before. Uh, the main points to consider are if the surface tends to be hard uh, and the, the footprints are very clear. Um, that's very rare. Usually if the surface is hard, the footprint is not clear and there really is no footprint uh, if the person travels quickly and lightly. Um, if the surface is soft, the footprint is quite deep, and uh, in the early morning and late afternoon, uh, the walls of the impression may cast a shadow even. It may be that deep. Uh, rivers For rivers, streams, uh, maras and becks, bogs and swamps, uh, contrary to general belief, tracking is possible in these areas. Uh, in most cases, um, it's uh, it's relatively easy to follow those marks that are left behind. I sort of started this before. Uh, you could uh, you note that uh, rocks are splashed with water. Uh, you have a quiet running stream where uh, the water is uh, inside the bed of the stream, but there are some rocks and stones through the middle of the stream that have water splashed up on them that uh, did not come from the stream. So this is an indication of somebody splashing through past these rocks and splashing them with water. Uh, mud stirred up and discoloring the water uh, and that had, takes a while for the mud to settle. Uh, usually about 15 to 20 minutes before mud completely settles back down. So the water will be discolored. Uh, footprints in shallow water and footprints on the banks uh, are a good indication. Um, Water on the ground where the person or animal exited the water. Uh, boots or um, feet may have... Um, well, boots may have been taken off to wade through a stream. And uh, you want to look for spots on the bank where this was done, where they were taken off, and then where they were put back on again on the other side. Uh, the person's in a hurry. Uh, they had to sit down to take their boots off sometimes or they had to lean against a tree, or they leaned back against, a, you know, some, some uh, supporting object and scratched it, or uh, disturbed the moss on it, or broke, broke uh, twigs. Uh, then on the other side, when they're trying to put their boots back on, uh, did they hop around and leave a track? Did they scuffle up the dirt as they were trying to, you know, jam their feet into the boots and quickly lace them up. I want to look for a um, sign where a person sat down uh, to take off or to replace the boots. Uh, for animals, too, a lot of times when they go into the water, they're reluctant to go into the water right where they're at, and they'll pace up and down the bank looking for a place that looks more... Uh, you know, looks looks better to them to go in at. And when they come out on the other side, they do exactly the same thing. Uh, a cat or um, a similar animal will shake its paws off. Uh, 
dogs will shake off, you know, spraying water around the area. Uh, some herd animals will uh, pause along the bank. They don't like to go straight off the bank and up into the growth. They kind of pause up and down the bank and move down or up the bank before they uh, merge into the brush further on. So you want to look along the bank at the for the exit point and uh, re um, reacquire your trail. Uh, in mangrove and fresh water swamps, uh, the mud will be stirred up. Also, branches will be bent where the person uh, may have held on to the branch to present to prevent themselves from tripping over roots or to press the branch back to pass by without breaking it. Uh, in a rainforest, uh, when you're in a rainforest or in a jungle, uh, you want to you'll find that there's uh, there's many ways of to track. It includes un live or dead undergrowth or leaves, live or dead trees, uh, streams with muddy or sandy banks, moss on the forest floor and rocks. Uh, tracking can be helped by remembering. Leaves on the forest floor that show up a darker color than those that are undisturbed. Um, in a jungle, the leaves on top dry and the leaves underneath are wet and moldy. Uh, when they get kicked loose, they are darker on the bottom and lighter on top. Uh, and this holds true in a lot of anywhere where there's a heavy leaf coverage, leaf cover, ground cover. Uh, dry leaves, when they're disturbed, they show a, a distinct dark brown underneath in contrast uh, to the biscuit color of a bleached upper surface. Uh, dead leaves also become brittle and they crack or they break under pressure if a person is walking on them. The same applies for uh, the small dry twigs that, that break or crack. Uh, where the undergrowth is thick, um, especially on the edge of a forest, uh, green leaves, uh, the of bushes there have been pushed aside and probably twisted. And I uh, will show the underside of some of the, the leaves, which will be lighter in shade than the top side. Uh, when you're when uh, looking for this sort of sign, the tracker has to look through the forest and not at it. So um, I talked about this earlier. Uh, there's bands of analysis and you kind of have to look at each band separately and also all of the bands sort of together. And uh, by doing that, you sort of, uh, you look ahead and unfocus the eyes and sort of look across uh, an area and not just specifically at the track itself. Uh, you look to see <clears throat> what kind of foliage is around and what kind of foliage is on the ground, what kind of ground cover there is and, and uh, where things are at, what's in the What's in the peripheral area of your vision, uh, you know, that makes a difference to the tracking um, that you're doing directly in front of you and so on. Um, for broken twigs, uh, these aid a tracker in de determining the age of the track. So freshly broken twigs, uh, green or dead twigs, these are generally our lighter interior color. Uh, then the color at the broken edge. Uh, this color darkens over time. 
Uh, but if the tracker breaks the twig again, you're, you can then compare the colors and, and uh, assess the amount of time since the twig was broken initially. So that gives you an idea of a day or two days. You know, after after a week or so, it gets more difficult to track because there's um, in a in an environment, uh, you know, the environment, the the environment changes and uh, and and moves across uh, day by day and night by night. So, after a certain number of days, it becomes more difficult to assess how old a track is. Uh, you can tell it's older than a week or older than a few days. Um, when looking for this sign, type of sign, the tracker has to look, uh, at, you know, by experimenting with uh, the twigs that are available there uh, to be able to determine the age of the track. Uh, freshly broken green twigs usually retain the smell of sap. Uh, for three or four hours, and boot impressions can be left on fallen rotting logs. That also leaves a smell. Uh, marks are usually left on the sides of logs across a path. Uh, uh, if your quarry's tired, um, they they take they're less careful crossing things like logs, and uh, they knock more. More of the log apart. If it's a rotten, a rotten log, a lot of the it'll leave a lot of sign on the log that uh, that the quarry didn't step over it. They stepped on it or or uh, bumped against it, and and that leaves some sign behind. Uh, roots across a path or the direction of travel may have scrapes or marks on them. Uh, broken cobwebs across a path can indicate the passage of a human or animal. Uh, this is less true in a, a deciduous forest like uh, here in North America and more true in a jungle where um, there's uh, there's a lot of uh, um, building of cobwebs across, you know, open space in the jungle area that uh, do indicate passage of animals and a different quarry through there. Vegetation, uh, different types of vegetation leave different types of signs. Uh, some types of vegetation are large and small trees, scrub, a uh, small rubber plantation or a dirty rubber plantation, uh, palm plantation, pineapple plantation, uh, the beluga, the tall grass, ferns, uh, bamboo patch, mangrove swamp, uh, freshwater swamp, pine forest, hardwood forest. Um... There's a considerable amount of information that can be derived from the observation of sign, and a tracker should be able to deduce the following information from a track, the direction that the enemy is traveling or that the quarry is traveling, uh, the number of quarry being tracked, so is it one wolf or is it a pack of wolves? Uh, is it uh, one person or is it a, is it a small, a small uh, patrol of people? Um... There's a, the presence of different types of footprints or by counting the number of uh, prints in one in one pace. Uh, this can be hidden sometimes uh, by traveling in a straight line or one person setting the track or trail and another person or several persons following in the first person's uh, footprints. 
to make it appear that there's only one person or two people when there are five. Um, so by noticing the different types of footprints or by counting the number in one page, you can tell how many people are, how, how many quarry are, are being tracked at once. And this should be tracked, uh, <clears throat> this should be checked frequently for deception. Uh, when tracking a small party, the tracker should take a normal pace and uh, then count the number of prints within the pace and divide that by two. And that gives a fairly accurate answer of how many. Uh, large parties can be counted by uh, general judgment. Um, the tracker can also find, can, may also find conditions where, where a, a quarry have spent the night or taken a break. And uh, they then, the tracker can count the number of positions and uh, then determine the number of the party. Uh, load being carried, this can this uh, gives an idea, uh, or it's evident by uh, the depth and the spacing of the footprints and the scrapes on trees. And uh, at resting and halting places, you can examine the ground for hard pack or haversack imprints and uh, prints where uh, weapons were set down, bipods or tripods or, or rifle butts. Uh, speed, this is uh, gauged by the depth of the print. The deeper the imprint, the greater the speed. Uh, also, the length of this, the stride uh, is important and indicates speed. The longer the stride, the faster the movement of the person. Um, this can the the gender of the person can be determined under favorable favorable conditions. Uh, stride gives a good idea. Uh, weight, and that's the depth of the footprint, or uh, um, the weight of the pack also can give a indication. Um, a lot of times, the uh, the um, the physiognomy of the person is indicated in the in the 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 footprint and the stride. So uh, it gives a an idea of how the person walks, how they carry themselves. And that can indicate um, this can indicate uh, uh, the build of the person, and that gives an idea of the gender. Um, height and weight is a is a good indication of gender, usually, but not always. So age is also can also be determined from a from a track. Uh, the fresher the track, um, the closer you are. Uh, to locating the person uh, and the age of the track is determined by comparison this is the age of the track not of the person although you can determine the age of the person also somewhat again by their their gait uh, you know if they're hobbling or if their gait is uh, has a has a slight um, uh, they have a restricted gait or a uh, um, an awkward gait that indicates uh, that they may not be moving as quickly or as nimbly as other people. <clears throat> this gives an idea of age. Uh, but here I'm talking about the um, the fresher the fresher track versus the older track. So the fresher the track is, the closer you are, and of course uh, the uh, the more faded the track, the older the track is. Uh, the age is determined by comparison. It's difficult for uh, an inexperienced tracker to determine it. Uh, to determine the age or the sign 
the age of the sign or track, you have to have a good knowledge of local weather and conditions and the effect on soil and foliage. And uh, in order to gauge the age of a sign or track, uh, the factor has to the, these factors have to be kept in mind, like rain. Uh, if if the track was found at midday and there was a heavy downpour at zero three hundred hours, and then the track is clear, uh, the track was made after the rain, and and then putting that puts it in into a a nine hour time bracket. So if the tracks are pockmarked, they were made before or during the rain. And then if the rain is, uh, I mean, if the track is pockmarked by, by mist dropping from the trees, uh, an estimate of the track age can be made. Uh, foliage, some foliage begins to die in a matter of minutes once it's exposed to sun after being broken or bruised, and that gives an idea of how long it's been since somebody passed through there. Uh, sap, there's various different kinds of sap uh, that uh, start when... Uh, Branches are broken or leaves are torn off, and uh, and they seal up at different times. And it's you notice uh, that uh, the this sap is still fairly liquid; it hasn't it hasn't hardened, and this makes it uh, it gives an idea of uh, you know it's just been uh, not even a full day or it's been a week. Uh, worn worn casts. Uh, in the early morning hours, these are soft. If they're exposed to the sun for some time, it dries them out. Uh, if they're stepped on, they powder. So, um, if worm casts are found within a track and it's midday, it's safe to say that they were made at any time from an hour after sunrise, and this gives a time bracket of six hours. This is, uh, this is not very often that you find worm casts in in a track, but it does happen uh, if the weather is such that, um, uh, you know, if it's, there's been heavy rains and so on, uh, when there's rain, the worm worms uh, come out of underground burrowing so as not to drown, and uh, that can happen in, in wet areas, and then you have track with worm track through it. So these dry out and uh, it leaves like a little, a little, uh, a knobbledy area where the worm uh, came out of the ground and uh, this dries and it crumbles if it's, uh, if it's been there for a while. Uh, if it's fresh, it still looks like fresh dirt. Uh, so if a worm cast appears as a button that's flat, circular, and hard, uh, it's safe to assume that the track was made after the rain. But if it's uh, prior to one hour of, uh, of sunshine, um, it remains a, a button that's flat and circular. Uh, assuming that the sunrise was at 0500 hours, the time bracket is cut down to two hours. So you can kind of time... Uh, the passage of the footprint through that area based on on uh, you know when it rained when the worms would have been out uh, and what the worm cast looks like at this time that you're passing through at a later at a later follow-on period uh, vegetation the state and position of disturbed vegetation ha can be noted uh, various grasses and bushes of different degrees of resilience 
And uh, only practice or experience can really teach a tracker to use this as a factor in knowing the age of the track. But it is kind of common sense. Uh, you can kind of see that there's uh, that the that the grass is gray in most areas, and in this area that, that it looks like you've got your track in, it's uh, it's greener, or it's uh, it's more brightly colored where it's been. Um, you know, disturbed by the passage of a person that is carrying a pack and uh, scuffling their boots through. So, or if it's a, if this is, if your quarry is an animal, uh, you can see that they moved through it and they're, they moved through grass and uh, most of the grass is the same color, except where this one animal went through and its belly, uh, you know, brushed the grass and it's a, uh, four legs also went through the grass you can see that there's sort of a a broken color trail through the gray grass uh prints in mud the state of dryness of a track in mud or soft ground should be noted uh, if the tracks are very fresh uh, the water will not have run back into the depression made by the foot and then later when the water runs back into the depression and the mud that's been pushed up around the the print and cooked Kicked forward of the print begins to dry out, and uh, you can tell the difference there. Uh, game tracks are superimposed over the top of, uh, of a human track. So you've got your human track going through, and then you have game track going across it. Uh, most wild animals lie up during the day and they move at night, so if human prints have animal tracks superimposed on them, the tracks show that the animals have moved in both directions. Uh, the human prints are uh, at least one night old then. And if the tracks have prints only in one direction, then the human tracks are made during the night after the animal moved down to water and before it's moved back. This is uh, one of the places this happens is in a jungle. There's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, animal movement in the jungle. And if a human goes through and they're using an animal track, an animal trail, uh, you know, to help ease their passage through the jungle... Of course, uh, a number of animals come through later uh, using that trail to go, we'll say, to water uh, or out into a, a clearer area, and they will pass over the top of the human track, and you can see that there's, you know, five sets of tracks across the human track, and this gives an idea of, you know, this helps you narrow down the time period of when this track went through. Um, leaves covering tracks, the number of leaves that fall onto a track depend on the amount of rain or wind that's been in the area in the past few days, and this helps indicate the age of the track. So there's two different types of um, environment uh, being discussed here. Uh, this one, uh, one of the areas being discussed is a, is a jungle track. This has a lot of animals, it has a lot of foliage, it has a lot of mud and bracken. Uh, if and there's any movement through a jungle, most of it can be seen because the jungle's so dense. Uh, unless you've got, uh, unless you're already following a broken through trail, um, it it's difficult to pass through a jungle without making some kind of indication that uh, you've gone through, that the person has gone through. Um, so this is uh, it's got a lot of a lot of sign and indicators in a jungle, uh, as opposed to a desert. A desert is. This is usually hard-packed ground. Uh, sometimes you have uh, sand that's a little bit easier, but sand is quickly uh, 
sign or or a track on a sandy surface is quickly covered up by wind or the shifting of the sand. So in uh, say in Iraq, where the uh, the ground is hard packed and uh, and stony, uh, this could be very hard to to track on. There's there's no foliage. Uh, you know, you don't have any, you don't have any indication of, of passage through a thick jungle area. Obviously there's no thick foliage to move through. You don't have a lot of, uh, ground cover. There's not a lot of bracken to move through. The bracken that's there can be, can be avoided. There's not a lot of animal tracks to go across the top to give you a time of day. Uh, there's not a lot to tell you, uh, that there's any, you know, to help the tracker determine the time of the the age of the track, the time that uh, that the quarry passed through, how how many of the quarry were there, and uh, you know any other uh, specific details. Desert tracking is one of the more difficult types of tracking to do, and jungle tracking is a little bit easier. This is debatable. I mean, no tracking is really easy, but. Um, you know, you have two different types of surfaces, two different types of environments. One has a lot of different uh, sign possibilities, and the other one has almost no sign possibilities. Basically, you're just looking to see if pebbles were kicked around. And uh, if your quarry knows to try to travel carefully without kicking a lot of things loose, you know, you've it makes it very difficult to track the person. Uh, adverse factors to tracking would be direct sunlight. This causes a sign to return to normal quicker than is usual. Strong winds, uh, strong winds disturb vegetation and, and encourage disturbed vegetation to return to normal and can conceal some drowned ground signs. And, uh, um, you know, in the case of sand can completely obliterate a trail pretty quickly. Um, heavy rain, again, this washes out sign. Uh, it it uh, halves it or or reduces it to the point where you only have this the heel of the track rather than the full the full tr foot track footprint and uh, this could be difficult to follow uh, especially a ground sign and uh, it can be very it can be described as a, a one of the more difficult obstacles rain is heavy rain uh, time the colder the track is the more difficult it is to follow. And it's uh, the most important factor of all in visual tracking. So methods of tracking are uh, upon finding the the track of for the quarry, following should be done. Uh, you want to mark the quarry sign. Uh, you want to put a competent um, tracker on it as soon as possible. So if you don't feel like you're a, a good tracker and there's somebody else that's a better tracker, you want to put the better tracker on. Uh, do not attempt to follow it if you're not an experienced visual tracker, and don't allow anyone to search around the area until the until the tracker arrives. Uh, people moving around uh, destroy or alter important sign, so it's just like a crime scene. Uh, at a crime scene, you <clears throat> you locate the pieces of evidence, and uh, you evaluate the evidence. You mark where it is, and this gives you an idea of what happened at the crime scene. And then you exploit the the uh, the clues or the evidence at the crime scene to determine your next your next uh, your next plan of action. And it's the exact same thing in in tracking. 
And in fact, you use tracking sometimes when you're doing an investigation. So f for a crime or, or similar. So it's the same, it's the same idea. The first thing you do is you, you mark the track and then you don't move around a lot in the area. You get a competent tracker to come in if you're not one and uh, look around and try to identify what happened there at the, at the starting scene of your, of your acquired quarry. And then the tracker uses that uh, information to determine a, a plan of action. And then you start tracking the quarry back to wherever they, you know, you follow the, the quarry's tracks. Um, so you want to not allow anyone to search around the area so it doesn't destroy or alter the important signs are in the area that help the tracker. Uh, the visual tracker requires um, a cover man while they're on track because they have to pay attention to what they're doing on the ground and not uh, they don't they're not able to necessarily watch their own back so they need somebody to watch their back. Visual tracking is a slow process. The tracker has to examine every sign and uh, they might pass by some and then you can see others ahead. Uh, you want to try to pay attention to all of the tracks. Some tracks inform you about other tracks ahead of you. Uh, deception tactics are uh, these are used by people who are uh, might become quarry at one point and uh, they do use them and uh, as a tracker you should be aware of them and use them yourself. Description of a good visual tracker is not that easy uh, the and the deception of a good tracker is also not easy. Uh, so a, a good tracker can be delayed. Uh, often they can't really be put off the track but they can be delayed. Uh, and a, a tracker has to continuously be alert for um, signs of deception. And uh, make sure they're not, uh, they don't have a red herring dragged across the trail. So actions like walking backwards or brushing over the track are uh, not real deceptions for, uh, for, a real good, for a good tracker. Some methods of deception, uh, walking in a stream, uh, entry and exit points can be found and overhanging branches should be studied carefully. But sometimes it's hard to determine when and where they went into the water. And... Uh, it may, it may appear that they're not in the water when they are, and so on. Uh, fade out, that's jumping off track. Uh, individuals or pairs jump or leave the side of the track as carefully as possible. And you want careful watching of the sides of the track and constantly uh, check the number of people being followed. And that uh, should counter that deceptive move. Scattering. Uh, if the quarry scatters... Uh, the procedure is to follow the largest group and the easiest track and uh, the dead end or false trail. Uh, search is made back down the trail for the turnoff. Walking backwards uh, this is a deceptive action. Uh, the toe and the ball of the foot are more pronounced and uh, loose dirt and leaves will be dragged in the direction of movement. So feet are placed wider apart although the pace is shorter for walking backwards. Brushing over tracks, this identifies the track more than it conceals it. Uh, other leaves and dirt are disturbed in the process, but it also messes up uh, messes up the area and can make it difficult to follow a track sometimes, uh, or at least it slows the tracker down. Uh, sp 
splitting up visual trackers working in pairs should uh, detect the procedure of of splitting up if there's a couple people. Tiptoeing, the length of pace is shorter and the toe is more pronounced. Uh, rock hopping, this is difficult to follow uh, if it's used for a long distance. Um, this has been used, of course, across water. And uh, that can make it difficult. You Sometimes you, you find that your trail runs out and uh, you don't see any trail going into the water. Uh, but if you go over to the other side of the creek bed, you can see that uh, at some point on the other side, they hopped over on the rocks and and landed on the other side and resumed their path on the other side. And uh, then fanning out these tracks usually uh, meet later on, and you want to follow the easiest track. So when, this, when the track is lost, uh, there's various search methods that can be used to find it, and some of these are uh, the personnel search, that's the last visible sign is marked, and the visual tracker searches in a clockwise direction for a radius of 10 to 20 meters. Uh, retrace, uh, the visual tracker checks back, um, behind, back along the track, looking for sign where the enemy is cut off. Uh, the extended personnel search, this involves the tracker and uh, the cover man. The cover man uses a compass to maintain direction. And uh, the first visual tracker and cover man move forward for 50 meters, and then they turn 90 degrees right for 50 meters, and then they turn 90 degrees right for 50 meters until the track is met. And the second team of the visual tracker and cover man complete the same procedure but move 50 meters in the rear before starting. Uh, if the search fails, it's repeated for a larger distance or a, uh, a cross-grain search is used. So across grain searches is searching across the, the grain of the country. Um, extended personnel search, this is basically like, uh, like cutting the area into sectors and, uh, the searching personnel, um, cover each sector carefully until they locate, relocate the track uh, within a 50 meter radius of the original lost track. Um, to be a competent visual tracker, one needs a combination of natural aptitude and a good local knowledge, good memory, and, uh, and good intelligence, um, and then physical fitness to keep up. Uh, it's it's not a subject that becomes one becomes proficient in overnight. You kind of have to work at it. Uh, although patience and uh, and experience and perseverance can make an average uh, tracker a good tracker, uh, only those with special aptitude and skills can really attain uh, or approach the standards of an expert tracker. Uh, and this usually requires a lot of outdoor living, or a lot of outdoor working in a tracking environment like hunting or uh, a living out in a, in a bush area. Um, visual tracking is a precise art and it, it requires a constant practice. It's a, it's a slow process, but it, uh, it yields a considerable amount of information. And patience, persistence, and acute observation form the basis of good visual tracking. Uh, the cover man should not try to help the visual tracker look for sign. Uh, the best way to help him is just to alert him, alert, you know, cover his back and, uh, Make sure that uh, you have a good compass direction.
um, the cover man should also try to see uh, if there's any um, approaching enemy before before the enemy sees a visual tracker. So, you know, the, the tracker's a, at, a, at a disadvantage while they're tracking. Uh, as you follow sign left by the, the quarry, uh, the quarry can follow you as well. And you don't necessarily, um, you don't want to unnecessarily break branches or kick stones or leave your own uh, trail or refuse lying about. And, and all trackers should be taught fundamental tracking. Uh, all people who are, are going to be, um, in, uh, a, um, an extreme circumstance should, should learn tracking. It's really good for a person just to have a general sense of tracking. If something happens and you're in a survival situation and you need to hunt for yourself, you have a, you have a basic idea of, what to look for in the wilderness to find animals to hunt so you can eat. So it's uh, it's not the worst, you know, basic skill to develop. Um, and everyone should really learn fundamental tracking. It teaches a person to be alert and observant and uh, to be able to detect uh, others before they are detected themselves. It's also good for uh, developing respect for the environment and for the wildlife and flora and fauna of a of a region and for understanding a region. So it's good skill to develop and, uh, and it's, uh, it's a valuable skill. I had my notes, uh, on this, uh, I had to look some of these up. So there's a, there's a little bit of lag time in here, uh, some dead time. Uh, it's uh, just a couple minutes. I tried to re keep it at a pretty low amount. I think the, the beginning of this recording starts out with a, about a minute of dead time. So hopefully you waited through to the end, and uh, it'll be that way on some of the others.
It's fairly easy to identify the difference between a human and animal sign, regardless of the type of terrain uh, over which the track is laid. Uh, first, there's the shape of the print, and then there's the majority of animals uh, make a second chop as they move along, whereas a human does not put uh, their feet down or lift them up cleanly. To some people, that seems like it's a it's a easy. You know, it's obvious, but when you consider tracking across the ground that does not <clears throat> permit a clear print, like rocky or hard ground, it's, it's important to keep this in mind. Uh, so, animals tend to prance, or they, they walk with the, uh, they have four legs, so they lift their, they lift each foot and set it down, as opposed to a human who strides on two legs uh, and it it um, a human trail is uh, is more obvious than an animal trail uh, they leave more prints a human leaves more prints and a, an animal leaves fewer prints or or less obvious prints uh, signs or telltale marks made on the ground and disturbances of the vegetation left by an animal <clears throat> left by an animal, <clears throat> a person or a group of persons as they pass through an area. Uh, there's two kinds of sign. There's ground sign and top sign. Uh, the dividing line between the two is uh, the line at knee level. So any sign below knee level is ground sign, and any sign above knee level is considered top sign. Uh, Signs are the same, signs are the essence, the, the central part of visual tracking. Uh, the important factors that influence sign and uh, the tracker's ability to follow them are the country, and that's the terrain or the types of vegetation, the climate, the weather, seasons, rainy, dry season, rainy season. Uh, these make a big difference in, in tracking. Uh, <clears throat> the weather... The amount of rain, the amount of sunlight, the amount of wind uh, since the sign was made. So, for example, in Iraq, you've got uh, your your country terrain is uh, low vegetation or no vegetation. It's hard and rocky or hard and stony. Uh, it has a it has a wet season and it has a dry season. It has a cold season and it has a hot season, and uh, it has. Um, uh, almost continuous wind. So those are three things that make tracking in that country difficult. Uh, and then there's the age of the sign. How long has the sign been been at that location? I mean, how, how long has it been since the quarry passed across there and left that sign? And, uh, and then the visual tracker's ability. Uh, is, it a, is the person a skilled tracker or a basic tracker? Uh, ground sign occurs where vegetation from knee height down to the ground has been disturbed uh, by passage of the of the quarry through the area. So young plants and trees or saplings are stepped on or bent over. Uh, they're bruised or scrapped. Uh, vegetation scraped or scraps of of uh, foliage, uh, bits of leaf or uh, scraps of of uh, 
of vegetation are are left uh, along the edge of the trail. Uh, these are all considered ground sign. Also footprints, boot marks, broken twigs or disturbed leaves, stones or twigs, uh, bruised or bleeding roots, mud, sand, dirt from boots, leaves, uh, ground vegetation, uh, water dropped on the track. These are all ground sign. Uh, ground sign have two classifications. There's large ground sign and small ground sign. Uh, large ground sign, uh, this is... Uh, this is found where a large party of 20 or more have passed through any area. Uh, and the signs are even greater if they carry, they're carrying a load, load each of the, uh, each of the quarry are loaded or carrying loads. Uh, so those marks are, uh, that indicate those are kicking or scuffing the ground that's usually present. Uh, skid and slide marks up or down a hill are also large ground sign. Uh, small ground sign are found where a lightly laden group of five to nine have moved through the area. Uh, very often the group try to make as little track as possible by placing feet carefully and, and uh, disturbing their surrounding vegetation as little as possible. Uh, an alert visual tracker becomes accustomed to following this type of track. Uh, when tracking over flat, bare ground, concentration should be centered on sign like Sand on leaves, disturbed grain of sand, grains of sand, crumpled earth, um, and the tracker should also watch for small stones or rocks kicked up, or scuffed out of place or pressed into the earth, uh, powdered worm casts, and uh, and broken dirt seals. So, uh, in Iraq, um, one of the problems that there was in Iraq was uh, IEDs, and uh, these were implanted usually by one or a very small groups of maybe three people and um, part of uh, a um, part of the recovery operation was to uh, basically solve the crime of the uh, of the emplacement of the IED so it's not isn't exactly the same thing as a crime but it's sort of the same scene so the uh, the idea had been planted, and it had um, it had uh, blown up a vehicle. So the vehicles toppled over on its side. It had it had injured personnel. So uh, they were medevaced out. The injured personnel were medevaced out. Uh, soldiers pulled the injured personnel out. And, uh, and carried them or accompanied them across to the medevac. And uh, now the area is clear, and you're standing there looking at just, uh, you know, a mass of footprints with, uh, with a disturbed area left by the, the landing of the medevac helicopter and various other vehicles that have driven up and driven through because, of course, the road is still open, so vehicles are still going through on the road. Uh, so you're looking for who, who implanted this IED and where did they go to from there? So then you, you locate where the original ID was and <clears throat> identify the ID and then, uh, and then follow the track or the sign that's available, 
uh, approaching the idea off from the side, which as it turns out, from one side, there's not a lot of disturbance uh, up to a certain point. And you can usually pick up the track probably about um, 50 to 100 yards from the original site, from the, from the implanted site where the IED was implanted. And, uh, and then you, you follow that track back to where it originated from. Sometimes it's a, a ridge line that, uh, that where a vehicle behind which a vehicle was parked, uh, to pick up the road and, and head back. Then you have tire tracks and, uh, you do your best to locate those tire tracks and follow them back. Uh, given the, the, uh, dearth of traffic in the area, you, sometimes you can follow, you can actually follow the, uh, the tire tracks all the way back into town. You get a good idea of the general vicinity of where they might have gone to uh, before they hit cement. And uh, once they hit the tarmac, the, the road tarmac in town, then you can sometimes follow them a little bit of a distance there based on uh, the track that they leave with uh, uh, the dirt on the bottom of the tires or the dirt from driving in uh, in open desert. Uh, and then when you go back on onto hardtop, it the tire track can be seen clearly, and uh, you can follow a little ways with that. And you can at least uh, you can narrow it down to a general vicinity, uh, and sometimes you even can get pretty close to catching the guy. And you have a you have an idea of the the vehicle uh, that you are looking for, and the idea of how many people might have been involved. And uh, then there's some some explosive stuff that you can identify from the particular IED that helps to identify the particular person. Uh, you have things like gates and uh, shoe wear and um, items that they carried, cigarettes that they left behind, things that were dropped on the ground and uh, dumped out of the car windows and so on. So it's just like a crime scene, and uh, that's that would be... Uh, you know, a large ground sign, that'd be 20 people, which it's not usually 20 people, it's usually less than 20. In this case, it'd be a small ground sign for three people or or two people. Uh, top sign, this is found in vegetation that's above knee height and is a, a human or other quarry walk through undergrowth, which is a varying height. Uh, they either have to pass through it or they have to brush past it. And then that alters its natural position and uh, some of its natural coloring and and uh, and um, shape depending on what we're talking about if it's uh, grass or leaves uh, the most frequent and usually seen top sign are broken twigs or leaves scratches on tree trunks or branches uh, bruised moss changes in color or natural position of vegetation uh, wilted and dying vegetation and cut vegetation and top sign has two classifications there's large top sign Small top sign. Uh, large top sign are found where a party of 20 or more persons have passed through an area and they leave behind a large disturbance uh, to vegetation, uh, even to the extent of breaking off the tops of shoulder high trees um, uh, to clear a path for people to get through, for the party to pass through in the rear and uh, those carrying equipment. And then small top sign that's, uh, that's fine, found where a party of Five to ten has passed through the area deliberately 
avoiding unnecessary disturbance to the vegetation. So under no circumstances is there any cutting or breaking of trees or bushes. Uh, the leaves can be turned over. So uh, an example of this would be for a large top sign. Uh, this would be, um, you know, a company moves into an area and uh, they're setting up a camp. A uh, small top sign. This would be uh, a small patrol in uh, in Vietnam or Afghanistan uh, passing through an area uh, on a on a known trail. The trail's already cut, and uh, all they have to do is is just move across it, move down it, without leaving a lot of uh, indication that they've gone by recently. So temporary and permanent top sign and a ground sign. Temporary ground sign are unavoidable marks left behind on the route of travel, like uh, the disturbance of the earth, leaf and stick covering, uh, grow, growing vegetation, and a disturbed intact or uh, in disturbed insect or, or animal life alerted by the presence of, of uh, passing humans. Uh, these signs are termed temporary because uh, after a short period of time it uh, it disappears. It goes back to normal and it's not it's not there as a sign. So after rain, the ground and top sign are they these all return to normal, and uh, after a lapse of time, insect and animal life settle down and these no longer assist the tracker with an uh, indication that anybody passed through there. It doesn't look like anybody passed through recently. So permanent sign are the sign uh, of man-made, um, this man-made sign that, that's going to last permanently. So when uh, somebody cuts a hole through the jungle with a machete, all right, the, the, the jungle grows back over this, but it takes quite a while for this to happen. Uh, it doesn't take as, as, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't take as long as you would think it does, but it takes long enough that, uh, this is a this is a semi-permanent sign. It's a it it doesn't last indefinitely, but it lasts for a while, and it can be seen for quite some time that there was a, a cut made through the jungle there. Even after the jungle has grown back and things have returned to normal and everything's settled down and months have passed, you can still see that somebody hacked their way through that area with a machete. Um So there's uh, cutting or breaking vegetation, especially larger plants, and rearranging vegetation into unnatural positions, like uh, transplanting vegetation with leaves close to the ground for camouflage uh, of caches or ambushes. Uh, one of the things that was done uh, during World War II was um, uh, camouflaging tanks, and this was done by driving by 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 either locating or making. Uh, a, a ground depression and driving the tank into the ground depression and uh, and then covering the tank uh, sort of like a, uh, with a false um, making a false forest floor uh, with vegetation over the top of the tank so of course this takes you know you have to cut the vegetation to cover it and this is a huge amount of vegetation to cut down and all of this is uh, that's all of a permanent sign that can all be noted later that uh, that much vegetation was taken out of the outlying area around the tank and used to camouflage the top of the tank 
inside this depression. Uh, the factors affecting sign or direct sunlight that adversely affects signs by drying out the ground sign and providing the natural element to uh, bring vegetation back to its normal position. So uh, vegetation follows the sun. It, uh, it, in the morning when the sun rises, it faces towards the rising sun, and as it, the sun tracks across the sky, the vegetation follows the sun across the sky uh, facing it. And then when it sets at night, uh, the vegetation faces towards the setting sun or leans towards the setting sun. Vegetation in general, uh, due to photosynthesis and the use of the sun to process uh, for natural processes that the, the vegetation uses, um, pays attention to the location of the sun in the sky. So this, uh, you know, after a very short period of time, if, uh, if the vegetation has been disturbed, its natural movement or its natural processes of uh, photosynthesis and uh, um, uh, responding to its natural environment, uh, mainly sunlight, uh, returns it to its normal position and it no longer is bent out of shape or, or, uh, or standing apart from other vegetation in the area. It reacquires its natural, um, its natural, I don't know what its its natural form, uh, and and the original sign uh, that was that was caused by a quarry passing through and, and disturbing that foliage, uh, that plant, um, that that disappears and it's it no longer it's no longer there to help the tracker see where the uh, quarry went through. Uh, rain washes away and uh, most um, ground damage and it generally obliterates ground sign and as with the sun, rain also returns vegetation to its normal state. So rain weighs down vegetation. Uh, you know, if, if you try to track somebody, they've gone through, a uh, quarry's gone through and uh, it's been it's been four hours and then there's a heavy rain that lasts for an hour and a half, and uh, and it's after the rain, and you're trying to locate this this uh, ground sign again. You have trouble locating it, and and a lot of your ground sign clues, your your um, your visual ground sign are, are have been have been uh, affected by the rain, which weighs down the vegetation and makes it look like. Uh, it was broken when it was, or makes it look discolored, brightly colored when it's not brightly colored, it's just wet. Uh, makes it look like it's been stepped on when in fact it's just been weighed down by water. Uh, washes out your ground sign, your footprints, and uh, various other um, indications on the ground that, that quarry have passed. And uh, if you have rocks that were kicked loose, uh, it makes it difficult to, to determine uh, what rocks were kicked loose and what wa rocks were washed loose, by, you know, with rivulets of rainwater after an hour and a half of, of uh, heavy, uh, you know, jungle rain. So, rain makes a big difference. Uh, wind encourages vegetation to return to normal. It covers up some sign and, uh, in some cases, completely obliterates sign. Uh, in snow and in sand, uh, it can quickly cover a trail. Uh, although you do have a trail for some time, you can see 
that there is an indentation even though you can't clearly see the footprint you can tell that something has passed through uh, if you pay close attention to um, to the the direction of uh, of your quarry's trail uh, where to look for sign it would be near banks and rivers and streams uh, roads paths and game trails uh, muddy patches soft ground and steep slopes uh, at the edge of clearings plantations flat ground uh, th through thick undergrowth or over thick undergrowth uh, where an obstacle has been crossed or channels the route. Uh, these are all useful areas. Uh, the effects of terrain on sign um, are pretty obvious. This uh, may or may not assist a visual tracker. Um, the result depends on the type of country that the tracker is, is moving in. Uh, it, uh, the type of country might be a combination of any of the following. It might be grasslands. Uh, if the grass is high, that's above three feet. The trails are easy to follow due to the fact that the grass is knocked down and stays down for some time. Uh, if it's short, the grass springs back more easily into original position in a short length of time. Uh, grass is normally trodden down and pointing in the direction that the person is traveling. Uh, it shows a contrast in color with surrounding undergrowth when it's pressed down. And uh, if grass is wet with dew from the night before the dew's rubbed off, you can actually see the trail of the person right through grass that's got dew on it. So in the morning or in the evening, when dew has fallen, uh, is one of the best times to help your, your tracking sense uh, follow a trail because you have... Um, you have the assistance of uh, dew that uh, makes it difficult to hide the trail. Mud or soil from foot gear appears on some of the grass. If dry grass is broken or crushed and blades and stems are found, uh, that can help. Footprints are, are normally found in dry grass areas. Uh, if new vegetation is showing through, it indicates that it's an, an old track. And uh, in very short grass, up to 12 inches of boot, or a footprint will damage the grass near the ground and uh, invariably a footprint or an impression is found. For rocky ground, uh, tracking through rocky ground is uh, sometimes not as difficult as one might think. Uh, this is due to rocks being disturbed and, uh, and easily marked. Um, these some points to remember about tracking in rocky soil or rocky ground. Unless very large stones or rocks are either moved aside or rolled over, this is uh, this also disturbs the soil and leaves a distinct variation in color and uh, an impression. If it's wet, the underside of the stone is darker in color. If it's dry, of course, it's lighter in color. Uh, if moving over large stones uh, with hobnails, uh, plates on boots tend to scratch the surface of the rocks. Um, if there's if that's not, uh, you know, most boots now don't have those. Um, or if you're talking about a uh, quarry that's uh, got a soft shoe or a paw, um, you know, moving over large stones, there's, sometimes there's chipping or 
uh, streaking on the stone. Uh, um, there's uh, even even uh, mountain goats uh, kind of leave uh, scratching marks on the stone. Uh, it's done with hoof on stone. Um, or uh, moss is disturbed on the stone or uh, has a cut in it or is torn loose or is discolored. Uh, sometimes there's a, an actual boot print or a paw print on the stone. Uh, sometimes at the top of the stone, you have a large boulder. The stone itself doesn't have any marking on it, but right at the top of the stone where the, where the boulder uh, is inserted into the, into the ground, there's like a thin layer of, uh, of light dust and dirt. And a lot of times that is, uh, that's the stepping point that the, uh, that the quarry has used to step up and across the stone, uh, even if they had to clamber up it. And there'll be a handprint or a footprint in it uh, for animals and people because it's, uh, it's where the stone meets the ground. And uh, that's one of the natural places where somebody clambering up over a boulder steps to regain uh, traction on, onto the ground. Uh, on sandstone, boot marks tend to be darker in color. On lava, the mark, the, the mark is a, a shade of white. I went over all this before a little bit. Uh, if the stone's brittle, it chips and crumbles. Uh, when it's walked on, a light patch also appears and the chips can be seen nearby. Uh, stones or rocks on the sides of hills move slightly or roll away when stepped on where the track heads up or down the slope. Uh, stones on a loose or soft surface are normally pressed into the ground when walked upon, leaving either a ridge uh, around the edge of the stone where it, was, uh, it forced the dirt out or a, a hole where the stone was pushed below the surface of the ground or, or knocked loose and then reinserted. Sometimes that happens that the stone is kicked loose and then it's uh, returned back into the hole. It just was uh, nudged loose and that gives an idea that, uh, that that indicates to the tracker that somebody passed by there. Particles of stone sometimes catch on the sole of the boot and are deposited further up the trail and show up against a different background. Uh, where moss is growing on rocks or stones, a boot or hand can scrape off some of the moss. Uh, sometimes lichen. Lichen's a good indicator. Lichen or lichen, that's the gray sort of uh, scaly stuff that's on the stone. This oftentimes, uh, it, uh, it sort of peels out. And uh, if it's touched or bumped or nudged or brushed against, uh, that, that, uh, that uh, sort of uh, scaly peel that uh, curls up gets knocked off. And, uh, and then the lichen is, or lichen is, is uh, lying flush with the stone. So that gives an indication that somebody went by. Uh, so in a rainforest, within a rainforest or jungle, trackers find all, many ways to track since that type of terrain includes uh, heavy undergrowth or live and dead leaves and trees, streams, muddy, sandy banks. Um, and then there's moss on the ground floor and on rocks. Uh, tracking uh, can be made easier by remembering details. Leaves on a forest floor when wet show up distinct darker color than those undisturbed. Dead leaves become brittle and brack crack or break under pressure uh, if a person's walking on them. 
And the same can be said of dry twigs and then dry leaves when disturbed show a distinctive dark underside in comparison with the lighter upper surface. Uh, where the undergrowth is thick, um, especially at the edge of the uh, forest or the jungle, uh, the green leaves of the bushes that have been pushed aside and twisted uh, in passing uh, show the underside of the leaf that's lighter in color and the upper side than the upper surface. The upper surface is darker. Uh, when looking for this sort of trail, the tracker has to, to kind of look through the forest instead of at it. Broken twigs can be used to deduce the age of the track. Uh, freshly broken twi twigs, green or dead, are generally lighter color on the interior than on the broken edge. Uh, that color gets darker with time. So if the tracker breaks the twig, they can compare the colors. I mentioned that already. Uh, some time can have elapsed since the original break occurred. Uh, with experience and experimentation, the tracker can accurately determine the age of the break. Uh, on the side of an embankment, there's sort of a a, um, a, uh, a channel that uh, is formed when the person tries to clamber up the soft bank. Uh, sometimes it's just in the gr the the uh, brush and growth, and sometimes it's in the actual dirt itself, depending on how hard the bank is. Uh, freshly broken twigs retain the smell of sap for three or four hours. Boot impressions can be left on fallen or rotting logs. Uh, marks can be left on the sides of logs that uh, lie across the path. Uh, where roots run across the path, they show signs where they've been stepped on. And, and then again, broken cobwebs uh, indicate that uh, quarries pass through the area. Uh, scrub in secondary forests is the type of country where Primary growth has been cleared away and the secondary growth has started. It's usually very thick and it's hard to penetrate. So you see a lot of this like in the Carolinas and and uh, through the Appalachian area. Uh, this, uh, this has been cleared away. Uh, to do to see a tr to see trail through there, the individual is uh, forced to make their way the the quarry is forced to make their way through by crawling along at ground level, and then uh, the tracker can see that they've crawled along at ground level. Uh, when tracking this type of country, the main point to watch for are uh, broken branches and twigs, leaves knocked off, branches facing directions that the person's gone in, uh, or the, the quarry. Footprints on the ground that show up clearly since little or no grass grows underneath. Tunnels through vegetation made very low to the ground. Broken cobwebs, pieces of clothing caught on the sharp edge of vines and brush and bushes. Uh, rivers, streams, marshes, swamps, and bogs. Uh, tracking is possible in all those areas. Uh, in most cases, it's made easy by the marks left behind, and uh, signs that trackers should look for in those areas would be footprints on banks and in shallow water, mud stirred up in discoloring water, rocks splashed with water, uh, water on the ground at the point of exit, mud on grass uh, or other vegetation near the edge of the water. Um... In those areas, there's a lot of uh, uh, water, open water and uh, shallow water and uh, heavy mud and lighter mud and then, and then firmer ground. And all of those are different kinds of track and trail that uh, you've got um, like cattails and so on through that area. 
Uh, these are, are uh, the, the vegetation like cattails is, uh, tends to be upright and very firm. If anybody moves through that area, it's pretty obvious that they went through. Uh, it does leave a real clear trail through. And um, there's a lot of opportunity for, for footprints through all of those areas. Uh, sand is easy to track in. Uh, the problem is uh, wind and other uh, environmental factors that obscure or obliterate the marks and impressions uh, of a track in a matter of minutes or hours. Uh, when tracking on sandy ground, the tracker should keep in mind that the surface, in, surface is inclined to be hard. Uh, if the surface is hard, the footprint, the footprint is very clear, and if the surface is soft, the footprint might be quite deep in the morning or late afternoon hours and uh, cast a shadow, and then it, uh, it, the, the print is shallower uh, fairly rapidly, and then it, uh, it turns into sort of just a light depression that has no particular uh, characteristics about it. It's less, um, it's less clear-cut, and, uh, and then it fades into sort of a, um, a dip in the sand, and then it's gone. Uh, so sun, rain, and wind are factors that adversely affect sign and marks of a, of a track. Uh, the degree the degree that the track is affected uh, depends on the strength and duration of those elements. So generally speaking, tracks or signs sheltered from rain, wind, and direct sunlight are still readable up to about 30 hours after they were made. Uh, to be able to assess the time between when a sign was made and when it was found is uh, the hardest task for the visual tracker, and only experience and practice can really help overcome the difficulty of that. Uh, in any one country, uh, there will be different um, areas or localities where one type of vegetation will be predominant, and in any one locality, whether it's primary jungle, secondary jungle, scrub, swamp, sand, or rock, uh, the visual tracker will have up to 30 different signs to follow. Uh, when following a track through a specific area or locality, the visual tracker uh, will be using the, the 30 signs all at once. And then uh, this, the tracker will, in fact, be following a combination of three to five signs at one time. So the footprint and three or more signs in addition to that. Uh, so sometimes the footprint, you don't have a footprint but you still have you still have four other signs to look for that you're paying attention to and uh and there's a, a variation of that across a, a an area um and that's those are for a distance of up to 40 meters and then because of uh because of the nature of ground or vegetation the sign changes so for the next 30 or 40 meters the combination of signs will be different and then obviously some signs are common to all areas like a footprint, and again, when tracking through different localities, uh, one would see all the area tracking signs, but not all at one time. And then the, a visual tracker should always be conscious of climate, season, and local weather conditions, uh, all of which greatly influence the amount and kind of sign left in the area. So... Um, there's other things to keep in mind, uh, if you're talking about, uh, whether the, the quarry wears boots or whether they're barefoot.
So in Vietnam, they were often barefoot, and this makes a big difference in how much sign is left and what kind of sign. And, uh, you know, so one one side was wearing boots and one side was wearing was was wearing either slip-ons or bare feet. So these are these are different kinds of tracking signs. So when you see that uh, in uh, in Iraq again, uh, almost everybody wore slip-ons, and uh, and sometimes people wore lace-up shoes. Not very often. Uh, and there was uh, there was a good amount of barefoot too. So these all leave different kinds of signs. So you know it's a different kind of footprint. You can't always rely on seeing a shoe sign. Sometimes you you have to look for. Um, you know, a barefoot or a foot in a different kind of footwear. And that different kind of footwear leaves a different kind of track. So a slip-on, this is a this is a shuffling, uh, sliding, slapping that goes on uh, that uh, sometimes that's easier to follow and sometimes that's more difficult uh, depending on how practiced the wear is in traveling in uh, varied terrain. So in Vietnam, they were very practiced, practiced in it. They, they always traveled in varied and uh, dense terrain, and they did not leave a lot of sign. In Iraq, uh, most people in Iraq, they spend a lot of time in Iraq, obviously, but mostly it's in the cities. So there's not, uh, when they're out in the, uh, in the desert area, the open desert where they're away from, a, they're away from a, um, an urban area, they, they leave a pretty clear sign because there's not really any effort to to uh to conceal their their uh, their their footprints or their their track. Um this brings us to a whole different area of tracking. There's a bunch of different areas. Uh this uh mostly I'm going over um tracking through um through natural areas, but then there's urban tracking also. So this is uh, this is tracking through an urban area and uh and you kind of have to do that if you are working in an urban area. Uh, a lot of um, a lot of crime solving uh, trackers use this type of tracking. Uh, they're able to track through an urban area, and uh, it's a good skill to develop because not always you know an urban area can can throw a wrench in a in a, a tracker's uh, ability to follow um, if the uh, if the quarry passes through an urban area and they lose their tracker because the tracker is not prepared to, to track through an urban area. So that pretty much concludes uh, this main area of uh, discussion. Uh, for track following drill, uh, the necessity of a track following drill explains um, it's divided into seven steps, and uh, if you've uh, if you have ever done a, a tree trunk cut blazed trail, where uh, there's a you know you have other bushcraft most most people do some basic training, uh, bushcraft exercises where you learn how to uh, mark a trail, or uh, leave uh, leave a ground sign um, so that. Uh, Followers on can can follow you through where you're going, you know, through your your passage. You intend for someone to follow you, so you're leaving ground sign. You leave blazes on trees. You leave stacks of stones. You leave uh, twig arrows and and twig sign. 
Um, so this is a uh, this uh, helps a tracker to pay attention to start out with this. Uh, the the difference, of course, is that a quarry um, doesn't leave that behind intentionally, uh, and there anyone who's tracking. Um, you know, may find themselves in a fairly dangerous situation where, you know, their life is some somewhat at risk to be uh, tracking or following somebody that uh, uh, may or may not be that safe a person to follow. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, there's a lot of uh, competent and proficient game trackers and hunters. Uh, but, uh, you know, most animals are quarry only. They, they're not... Uh, they're not uh, they're not hunting the hunter for the most part so uh, there's a seven step drill um, each step is uh, has a special purpose and it's uh, it's mandatory that uh, a visual tracker at least in basic tracking learns and uh, and and follows this seven step drill this helps to organize the setting up and the start of a trail track to track a quarry so uh step one is assessment of the general direction you want to look 30 to 40 meters ahead for a general direction of track step two is to eliminate openings and finalize the general direction uh, if two or more openings appear by comparing age you want to elim eliminate the older track so sometimes a person arrived there to set up the IED and then they left by another route. So you don't want to follow the route that they arrived in on. They they went to and from the car and then they they uh, one person went back to the car and got in the car and drove away and the other person took another route out. So you want to follow the person that took the route out. You don't want to follow the trail, you know, the old trail that came into the IED. You want to follow the new trail that leaves after the, the, the IED was placed in a and left the area, or whatever it is, uh, the wolf trap. They laid a wolf trap, and you're trying to track down, uh, you know, wolf trap is illegal, so you're trying to track down uh, somebody who laid a wolf trap. So they brought the wolf trap in, they laid it, now they left by a different route. You don't want to follow their route in to laying the wolf trap, you want to follow their route out by the different, their different route. So you want to identify the incoming route as being the old route, that's not one to follow, and identify the new route as being the new route. So visual step three is to visually connect the track with your present position. Uh, that's to ensure that there's not a split track or that no other form of dis of deception has been used by the by the uh, quarry and that the visual tracker is still on the same track. And uh, then step four, you want to look through the vegetation uh, to maximum visibility for signs of, uh, of the quarry's presence. And this is an important step. It, to be carried out before you begin step one. Uh, so you look around before you step. You begin step one, and then step one helps you to outline your your uh, your trail. The visual tracker is sensitive to the possibility of enemy in the area. Uh, its uh, significance is amplified by including it as a separate step halfway through the track following drill. So. Uh, Step four, you want to repeat step four. You want to start with step four, 
You want to look carefully around before you start. Then you want to start step one. Then you want to repeat step four at step four. Then you move to step five. You want to check the area to the left and right for deception tactics. There are many ways that the enemy can confuse or mislead the tracker. And this step is to ensure that the visual tracker is not being led astray uh, and uh, confused and confounded and uh, is on the right track. Then step six, you want to memorize the footsteps and mentally note uh, sound-making vegetation. It's important to note that uh, except for step four, the visual tracker has not moved. His head is up with only just the eyes carrying out the drills. He has to be alert to all sounds, smells, movement, and vegetation in an unnatural state. And, uh, and prepare to focus on the environment uh, for the sake of tracking and not the environment for the... Uh, for the sake of uh, tactics. Uh, step seven, move forward, not as a tracker, but as a, as a lead scout. And when the visual tracker moves, he's the most vulnerable. Vulnerable. Uh, this is when the tracker's in danger of being shot at or walking into a booby trap. Uh, he has to have a track established in his mind and, uh, and then be alert to all areas of danger ahead. And when the visual tracker arrives at his next forward sign, you should visually check the area to the front and sides for enemy presence before starting a Again, at step one of the track following drill. Uh, and then um, the track following drill applies to all areas where there's growing vegetation. Uh, for tracking in desert areas like that in the Middle East and Australia, the basic principle of the drill applies. But because of open ground and dry, dry terrain, uh, the drill has to be a little bit modified. So you just get used to that with uh, experience. Uh, the steps of the track following drill, you want to start tracking from a definite point where the signs are those made by the quarry. This is not possible in the areas where friendly uh, troops have been milling about or the areas where the, the quarry was last seen. Uh, the first step... The first step would be to uh, to cast about until the enemy track is engaged and uh, so you want to once the start point has been confirmed you want to look carefully at the sign and, and estimate the age of the track this can be checked with uh, information from friendly forces in the area or those in ambush or contact position uh, if the track is two days old and contact took place two hours ago the wrong track has been located and, and a new drill has to be repeated uh, next you want to estimate the number of enemy by uh, estimating the age of the track and the, uh, the number of uh, enemy at the beginning of the track, it's possible to recognize any of the following where the enemy has rested and departed, leaving fresher sign, uh, withdrawing after an ambush to a prearranged location, leaving a debriefing uh, of an action and a body count of the ambush party. Uh, it's probably from that location that the enemy would split up, the quarry would split up into smaller groups. This would indicate the ambush was set by locals and they're returning to their respective hamlets or villages. There could possibly be a hardcore element of enemy or guerrilla that would be returning to their base camp. Uh, then there's where another enemy group is joined with the first enemy part, the, the first quarry party. After the first party has departed from the contact or uh, ambush location, fresh tracks would be at the top of the first, in, uh, the first quarry's party tracks. First quarry's party's tracks. Uh, this would indicate that the ambush consisted of several groups in separate parties and that all were withdrawing to, re to rejoin at a central location for a debriefing conference. 
Uh, this is most preferable when uh, the quarry ambush has been successful. Uh, if the quarry was unsuccessful, or I'm sorry, if the ambush was un unsuccessful, uh, it's more po possible that the, uh, the quarry groups split up and then went in different directions. Uh, but don't overlook the possibility of the enemy having a reorganization debriefing meeting. So the short uh, explanation of this is uh, you got to kind of learn tactics and strategy. And uh, most most good uh, most good uh, trackers have an idea of this. Uh, you have an idea of uh, what a group of people are doing, what they're there for. You kind of know what they were there for to start with, and then you can kind of tell what they might have been doing uh, by the activity of their footprints. And you can kind of get an idea of this of, uh, you know, anytime you have a unit of people or a group of people doing something, and it could be anything, uh, they're out for a hike, you know, what happens? Everybody drives to the trailhead, they get out, everybody mills around, they're talking, they're moving back and forth from the cars, some people are walking up and down the trail and coming back, uh, then everybody's putting on their packs. Some people are getting water. They walk over to the water station. Uh, then everybody starts off on the trail. Everybody's, uh, you know, eager to get started on the trail. So there's kind of a little bit of crowding. Then everybody falls into, you know, little groups of twos and threes. And they're chatting as they walk up the trail. And then after a while, as the trail proceeds along, it falls into a, pretty much a straight line. Sometimes uh, two abreast. And then uh, you got 20 people walking, most in a straight line along a narrow trail, headed up towards a mountaintop. So you can see that this is this is generally what people do. You can kind of tell that from the footprints that that's what people do. This is tactics and strategy. Uh, you know, this is in a civilian situation. So in a military situation, obviously, the same thing. Uh uh, where civilians have crossed over or converged on the tracks. Uh, of the quarry, there that may mean that inhabitants of nearby villages or hamlets are being used to confuse the tracker, and this is a deception tactic. Uh, it can be coincidental, and it also opens up the possibility of sympathizers in the area. Uh, this was a concern in Vietnam, uh, it was a concern in Iraq, and then also in Afghanistan. Uh, by estimating numbers at the start of the track, and uh, even if the deception tactic of individuals dropping off is missed, uh, the tracker will notice that the number of enemy uh, or the uh, number of quarry on the track has decreased. Uh, this is where the quarries converged from hamlets to to stage the ambush and during the withdrawal split up or returned to their respective hamlets without converging on a prearranged rally point for a debriefing conference. So nobody went back to a debriefing conference. Everybody just went home. Uh, this happens a lot of times when you live in a hamlet. Uh, the track Step two of the track following drill you want to take each opening and turn and carry out the following drill. You want to look forward, maximum visibility for top and ground sign. Remember the uh, the age of the track and don't be drawn forward by signs that are older than the track being followed. You want to eliminate openings that do not uh, coincide with the age of the track being followed. And uh, you want to endeavor to end with one opening. Uh, then this is that's the general direction of the track. And if there's more than one opening, remember the possibility of a split track, meaning, you know, a group of 20 people broke up into two groups of roughly 10 people apiece and uh, went to two different locations. So the possibility of a deception and a false track, this is uh, 20 people suddenly realized that they were being followed and they thought they better do something to avoid getting caught. So they split in half and then, uh, and then each of those groups split in half 
and then uh, each of them uh, branched out and they crossed each other and uh, and then everybody broke up into singles and they all returned to a pre-agreed location uh, as a single individual rather than as a group of 20. Uh, and then there's uh, two types of direction and uh, one of those will be eliminated upon a closer inspection. So when you uh, when you stand over the, the sign facing in the direction of enemy of uh, quarry withdrawal and you look ahead 30 to 40 meters for general direction, uh, you want to look for um, a person-sized opening in the undergrowth. Those openings are recognized by eliminating areas where humans could not possibly have moved through. And uh, that's where there's been no breaking of the undergrowth or disruption of the vegetation. It's probable that, two or, probable that two or three openings would be noted. Those openings should be large enough to allow a person to pass through. And then ensure you've checked that the complete area to the front and also that you're looking as far ahead as possible. You've checked completely the area to the front and uh, you've looked as far ahead as possible through and not at the undergrowth. And then step three of the track following drill, you, it's been established that there are visual tracking signs to the front that coincide in age to the track being pursued, and it's also been established uh, that in the area of the opening in the vegetation is such that, the, that a human could have passed through, uh, moving forward through that area. So step three is to confirm that the trap is, track is being followed, uh, and the same, the same track is spotted to the front. Uh, step three is carried out as follows. Uh, you want to take the furthest most sign, backtrack with the eyes, and note signs that link the furthermost sign furthermost sign with your present position. Uh, a visual tracker must not get into the habit of connecting the track from the nearest point to the near to the next sign ahead. And uh, then during the early uh, period, the visual tracker uh, would will stand over um, stand over the last definite sign while carrying out the drill then the only movement that's possible would be a slight sideways movement of the head. A visual tracker's eyes must do the work. Uh, they don't turn your head and look down to look at the ground in front of him while in a standing position. Uh, and if at any time the visual tracker wishes to make a closer examination of a sign, go down on one knee and then ensure that your cover man knows of your intention. This is all in uh, your at-risk area. Uh, if at any time the tracker wishes to make a closer examination of a sign, uh, backtracking with the eyes and connecting sign often serves to eliminate any false trails and false openings. Where two openings connect, the visual trackers come across a split track and he should decide which one to follow. Uh, the visual tracker, by looking ahead in this manner, is better able to see and identify the track rather than following the individual signs. And uh, when he's in doubt, the tracker uh, following the sign, tracking the sign, the signs peculiar to the track that like a man wearing a particular type of boot will confirm the track picture. So the step four of the track following drill is carried out a visual examination of the area. You look through the area to maximum visibility for signs of enemy presence or quarry presence. Track next 20 to 30 meters has been established and confirmed. Uh, the visual tracker has not moved up to this point during step four. He, the person visually clears the area to the front. This was done before the commencement of step one, but it's included as a separate step because of the following. During the intervening period, a uh, quarry could have moved into the area. 
to emphasize the importance of, of attuning the tracker to danger and becoming aware of uh, quarry presence. Uh, the visual tracker's concentration is directed toward looking for possible enemy locations on uh, either underground or at ground level or in trees overhead, and he's looking for vegetation used as camouflage or unnatural position. Uh, the visual tracker can now move at will if necessary and kneel at ground level for tunnel-type uh, fire lane, and he has to move from uh, side to side when looking through undergrowth to see areas behind trees in immediate foreground. And finally, by coordinating with the cover man, he's thoroughly visually checked the track signs for booby traps. Uh, the visual tracker must become uh, conscious of possible ambush or booby trap. With this in mind, uh, he's thinking the enemy would uh, and use those, and whenever um, he approaches a likely ambush site or booby trap location, make a greater effort to visibly clear the area before proceeding. So like this has happened in Vietnam, uh, there were wire, trip wires, and uh, it happens uh, in uh, in Iraq and Afghanistan with uh, with IEDs that are um, you know uh, passing through that area sets the IED off. So those are all those are booby traps, and uh, that's the type of ambush. Um, so a track following a drill. Uh, before step five is taken to the area, left and right check for deceptive tactics. The track is established and confirmed, and the area to the front has been checked The bush for ambush positions and booby traps. In step five, the visual tracker must now switch concentration to possibility deployment where deception tactics have been employed. A uh, visual tracker looks along the confirmed track, concentrating on the area to the left and right to check for drop-off tracks. Uh, many ways of confusing a following party by laying down a false track and employing deceptive tactics that could lead an uns unsuspecting visual tracker astray. And uh, then learning to understand uh, that the uh, quarry aids the visual tracker in making an intelligent assumption about the intentions uh, if the track is lost. So continuing on this, picking up in step five, the visual tracker now switches concentration to the possibility that deception tactics have been employed. Uh, visual tracker looks along the confirmed track, concentrating on the area to the left and to the right to check for sign of drop-off on tracks. I, this is a repeat of uh, just to pick up on the last one. 
Uh, there's a lot of ways of confusing a following a follow-up party by laying down a false track and employing deceptive tactics that could lead a, a visual tracker astray. So to combat this, the uh, the visual tracker has to have some complete knowledge of uh, of all deception tactics and be aware of the possibility of them whenever tracking. And part of this is just being aware of uh, of tactics and a strategy when when moving through uh, uh, an area. So you know what do what do soldiers do or what do quarry do to avoid uh, pursuit or to avoid detection when moving through an area? This is a big part of uh, figuring out deceptive tactics. On occasion, the visual tracker may want to follow up a deceptive uh, deception tactic, a deception tactic in order to gain a a greater understanding of uh, of the quarry. Um, the cunning and cleverness, the degree of alertness and stealth by which deception uh, was executed will help the visual tracker understand the thinking of the quarry. Uh, by following through a deceptive uh, deception tactic, the uh, visual tracker uh, can learn the quarry's degree of alertness, morale, aggressiveness, and uh, possibly intentions. So a good example of this is... Um, uh, you are a, you're a ranger, a park ranger, and you are tracking a big cat, um, a cougar or a, a panther. And you, for the intention of, um, tagging, uh, tagging their ear. And you're prepared to do this as you've been assigned to do this is a, something that you do every day. And you are tracking your big cat through the Rocky Mountains. Uh, is anybody who's encountered, um, a cougar knows they are, um, they're, they're very, they're very good at, uh, figuring out that they're being followed and they're very good at, uh, at laying a deceptive trail as to where they might be, where you, when you think they're continuing along the trail that you saw them, that you noticed that they're on, uh, they take a different trail and, uh, and leave you dead-ended somewhere. They're very good at this, um, and uh, you can uh, you can observe their degree of alertness, morale, aggressiveness, and uh, possible intentions. Uh, they do sometimes circle back around, and uh, they will pick your trail up, and, and um, they can, in fact, uh, disable you. So this is, a, this is an animal quarry, and um, they're very aware of hunting, and they do they do react to being followed and tracked and they do employ deceptive techniques to uh, mislead the tracker and they do take um, preventative action to, uh, you know, to remove the tracker off their trail. So this is an interesting thing about, uh, about wildlife. Uh, wolves are another group that do this and so on. Obviously you can, in you can imagine that there's a, a large number of people that do this uh, in circumstances. Um, and uh, paying attention to tactics and strategy uh, is um, understanding tactics and strategy and paying attention to when it might be used helps you to determine uh, what your quarry might be doing at any given moment. 
Uh, learning to understand the enemy aids the visual tracker in making an intelligent assumption about uh, about the, the quarry's intention um, if the track is lost. Uh, the visual tracker is in a good position to make recommendations recommendations to uh, uh, patrol and identifying locations uh, for patrols to search as likely areas of, uh, of quarry activity. So this happened a lot in Afghanistan and uh, somewhat in Iraq for for uh, IEDs. Um, the visual tracker with this understanding of the, of the of the quarry being tracked may even be able to anticipate possible moves. Uh, this helps, but sometimes this can mislead your tracking. You don't want to second guess the the quarry too much. Uh, when you start deciding where the quarry has gone to, you tend to overlook and miss important uh, tracking signs that tell you where the quarry really is and what the quarry really decided to do. So you don't want to uh, you don't want to lay the track or trail for the quarry. You want to respond to the track or trail that the quarry lays. Uh, and finally, step six of the track following drill: you want to um, the the track has been located and confirmed. So. The area has been visually cleared of ambushes, booby traps, and deceptive deception tactics. So, for step six, uh, the visual tracker now wants to look now needs to look at the ground, just eyes only, and memorize where they're going to place their next ten to fifteen steps. Uh, vines across the track should be noted carefully. They can catch on boots and uh, cause noise and movement to surrounding vegetation. So, you don't want to disrupt your trail as you're as you're tracking. You don't want to disrupt the trail. If you make a mistake and uh, you lose your trail and you have to backtrack 10 or 20 or 30 steps to recover your trail, you don't want to have destroyed your trail passing over it. So you want to be careful as you go through an area that you maintain uh, you maintain the, the basic trail um, and you don't, you don't ruin your own, uh, your own tracking effort. Um, dry sticks on the trail can break and create noise. Any sort of vegetation or loose rocks can make noise and should be carefully negotiated. You want to remember that uh, your quarry doesn't always uh, continue moving. Sometimes they, sometimes they step off. This happened in Vietnam tons of times. Uh, they step off the trail and uh, they take up a position along the side of the trail and they wait for you to follow their trail past where they're at and then they this is what the, they're talking about here this is an ambush then they close in behind you and uh, cut you off on both ends and they um, surround you and your small patrol and and nobody survives so you gotta pay attention to whether or not they're actually moving through that area or are they is there indication that they have left the trail and circled back around or taken up a position along the trail to ambush uh so you also don't want to warn them uh, by making a lot of noise that you're following them. You want to you want to you want your quarry to not think to think that they're not being followed. So you want to keep your noise level down. Uh, plants, trees, and other vegetation uh, don't move by themselves. So visual tracker uh, needs to note any disturbed vegetation to the front that could uh, move and telegraph <clears throat> the the tracker's presence in the area. And up to that point, the visual tracker is not moved one step forward. They're just uh, they're just looking to start with. Uh, during step four, he moves from side to side and up and down. His head does. 
For steps one, two, three, five, and six, uh, the tracker remains still with his hand, with his head up, uh, looking to the front so he can catch any movement or hear the slightest sound made to the front. Step seven of the track following drill. At this point, the track has been confirmed. The area has been checked for ambushes, booby traps, and deception tactics. The visual tracker has memorized where he's going to place uh, each step ahead of him. And uh, the visual tracker now becomes a lead scout and moves forward to the limit of the confirmed track. And when the moving when moving forward, the visual tracker uh, then will be opening new area to the front that's not been checked. And as the moving as a moving target, because basically the uh, the basically the tracker becomes a point man. Uh, the the uh, if he's working with a, a patrol, a team of people, the, this obviously this it's attempted to reduce this risk but in in locating a trail and following it uh the tracker is is basically setting the direction for the patrol to travel in so anything that comes up you know this is uh is determined by the trail and uh, that's determined by the tracker and then that's reacted to by the patrol so that's uh You know, this makes a this this creates a sort of a opportunity to become a target, um, especially for a stationary stationary quarry. Uh, when a visual tracker moves forward, he he must never look at the ground to check out the ground or confirm possible deception. He has to go down on one knee and await the cover man's readiness, and then he carries out the same drill whenever he wishes to check out a. Uh, a suspected booby-trapped area. Uh, while moving forward, he ensures that any sound he makes does not travel further than he can see. And while, move, while moving forward, uh, the tracker ensures that the vegetation does not telegraph position. Uh, the tracker carries a weapon in an alert and ready position at all times. And during this, this step seven, uh, he's trying to spot the enemy before he's seen, uh, or the, the quarry if, there's, if there are any in the area. Uh, and if he locates his stationary quarry, he's then successfully completed his task, and uh, obviously they've they've encountered uh, their quarry. So if the uh, if the tracker locates and identifies a moving quarry, then he's he's guided by his initial briefing as to whether you know what to take into account there. Uh, if he's hunting, obviously uh, you you would pursue your your uh, big game your your elk or your moose, uh, your caribou, whatever it is you're hunting. Um, if you're if you're if you're tracking small game, uh, you engage your small game. You you lay a trap for your small game or whatever you're using. Uh, and if you're if you're locating a lost person, um, you've located your quarry, and uh, you uh, call in rescue. Uh, assistance and uh, and uh, um, lend first aid and so on. So determine whatever your whatever your quarry purpose is. Uh, then once you encounter your quarry, obviously you you undertake to uh, to make contact with them. Uh, if he um, if the quarry. Uh, acts first, then uh, of course uh, the tracker responds, and if uh, no quarry is sighted, and this is the most common occurrence, 
when the visual tracker arrives at the furthest most sign before again beginning step one of the track following drill uh, the tracker visually checks all the area to his front for signs of the quarry. So points to remember while tracking uh, during the early learning periods the tracker uh, should follow each step of the drill um, committing it to memory and then eventually as competence and experience improve the visual tracker will be able to combine the steps smoothly and uh, use them inter, you know, inter, interspersed with each other to uh, accurately assess the area uh, and performing several steps with one quick glance and then moving with stealth becomes natural and the period spent between movement um, becomes a, a short pause uh, between one section and another and uh, the visual tracker is just always aware of becoming too confident if you become too if the if the visual tracker is too confident uh, this results in uh, in in losing the track a bit uh, if the, if the tracker is too confident uh, they don't pay attention to what's what's in front of them they they pay attention to uh, they're very very sure that the quarry's over there hiding in those bushes everybody races over to the bushes of course not in the bushes the poor, the quarry's past the bushes and uh, is on a hilltop and has uh, he's got his sniper scope on and uh, that's the end of four people so it's not a good it's a good idea to just uh, to follow the track that the quarry lay down and uh, pursue it to its conclusion not to, not the confident conclusion of the uh, of the visual tracker um if he becomes too confident, this results in the realization that he's past the last sign and there's no more track. Or when the enemy has spotted him, uh, the quarry spotted him because he's made noises or been negligent in checking the area to the front. A uh, visual tracker will realize he's overshot the area when there's no more tracking sign. Uh, each step by falling on fresh ground causes leaves to crumble or crack and small twigs to break. Uh, worm, crast, worm casts or crush the general feeling underfoot. Is different. The visual tracker also finds cobwebs across the track. So this is a really strange thing that happens. You're you're following a the visual tracker is following a track, and uh, the the person who went before sort of like broke the trail, like in snow, when the snow is unbroken, and the the person the first person breaks the trail for everybody else, and everybody's following. This kind of like that, and uh, the the visual tracker becomes a little bit too overconfident and they lose the trail. And suddenly it's like they stepped off of the, uh, out of the broken snow that's been, uh, the broken trail ahead of them that's been broken by the first person in the, in the patrol and stepped out and they just suddenly, they walk into unbroken snow. They themselves have walked ankle deep or knee deep into unbroken snow. And they realize that they're not on the trail anymore. They're not on the track anymore. This is exactly it's exactly the same thing. All of a sudden, they realize that they are not on a broken track anymore. That they're not they're not tracking their quarry. They have uh, they veered off the track somehow, and they're in unbroken territory, and the quarry is someplace else. So then they have to backtrack back to the trail, just like in snow. You go back to the trail back to the broken snow trail and you pick up this broken snow trail and you say, Oh, he, he dropped to the left and down 
a steep embankment that you didn't you didn't see because it was twilight. So you missed the you missed the turn to the left and down the steep embankment, and you walked right off. You thought you were on the same trail. You walked off into the in the unbroken snow. So you realized right away you got to go back to the trail and pick it up and take this sharp left down this embankment. So this is the same thing. It's the same thing in a jungle. It's the same thing in the sand. It's wherever you're at. It's uh, it's like uh, it's like you've walked into unbroken snow trail, snow, snow terrain, and you have to return back to the broken trail, and uh, and locate your your established trail and follow the trail. Don't don't assume that the trail continues in a straight line, or along the ridge top, or wherever you think it, wherever you thought it was going. It somehow it veered off somewhere else. Uh, he the so the. The um, the tracker uh, before beginning step one of the track following drill visually checks all the area to the front for the signs of a quarry ahead. So during the early um, during the early learning period, the tracker follows each step of this drill and uh, and does each one one at a time. Then after a while, uh, it gets it gets easier. Um, A visual tracker realizes he's overshot the area when there's no more tracking sign. Uh, each step by falling on fresh ground, it catches their attention that there is uh, the trail's not broken here. And uh, then depending on the time of the day, uh, the tracker might be brushing the dew off of leaves and making his own track through the undergrowth. So finally, the visual tracker asks himself the following questions. How many quarry is he following? How heavy and what sort of loads are the quarry carrying? Uh, what are the quarry's morales, task, and aggressiveness? Uh, does the quarry know he's being followed? And then uh, the precautions to take are uh, when the track becomes difficult and the visual tracker is tired, it's easy to see sign where there are none. A visual tracker has to be aware of this tendency and not to bluff himself into thinking he's following a track when he's following a false trail. Uh, the tracker, visual tracker, must remember that sound travels in all directions. Visibility in close country may be as little as, as uh, 10 to 15 meters. So uh, the visual tracker has to ensure that any sound that uh, he makes does not travel further than he can see uh, to, alert the, uh, to alert the quarry. Uh, whether the quarry is armed or unarmed, whether the quarry is a, uh, you know, a missing person or a criminal, or it's a rat line and you're looking for a cache, or you're looking for an animal, or you're tracking a large, uh, a large, large quarry to for hunting. You know these are all you still you do basically you do each of them. It's uh, it's it's much the same type of tracking. Uh, you have to be sure not to alert them. You don't want them to know you're following. Uh, if you're looking for someone. A lot of times uh, they are not sure who's looking for them and they will hide or try to avoid uh, contact until they know who it is. So even when you're doing a rescue attempt, uh, you want to make sure to keep your noise down and so as not to frighten the person before you get to them. Uh, vegetation moved in isolation uh, of surrounding vegetation alerts enemy uh, alerts quarry of visual tracker's presence. Uh, the visual tracker must not grab small trees for extra leverage or allow 
himself to become entangled in vines or overhead creepers. That's for jungle. Uh, visual tracker when moving forward is a leaning man in the patrol, so the point man. And he normally has to be the first to sight uh, the quarry. He must never look at the ground when on the move. So this is something to keep in mind under those circumstances. Uh, he must not go on if he's exhausted. He should stop and rest. And, uh, and all those points should be remembered to avoid tracking into, uh, tracking into an ambush uh, or a booby trap. And that pretty much uh, concludes that section. I have all these notes on here, and uh, it's kind of a little bit of a hassle. It takes a little bit to get them pulled up, so there's a little bit of dead time on here. And uh, so at the beginning of this, I think there's about a minute of dead time. That's it. All right, continuing on with this today. And... Uh, Hopefully I can get this open. All right. Uh, the basic um, the basic tracker terminology. Uh, there's tracking signs. That's uh, ground and vegetation indications of enemy's presence and movement, or of the target's presence and movement. Uh, tracking distance, that's a distance of 15 to 20 meters, as in uh, track following drill. And uh, tracking leg, an uphill, downhill, or other terrain distance of 100 to 500 meters. Tracking area, that's an area or locality, uh, 1,000 meters in distance. A track picture, uh, sufficient information about the enemy or the target, about the target, to know direction of travel or a number of personnel and possible mission, or intent. So if you're tracking an animal, what their intent is, are they going to the water? Are they going out to feed? What is their intent of uh, movement? Uh, this is the picture of all track signs that are, the track picture is the picture of all the track signs built up over a considerable amount of time and distance. Uh, to obtain the complete tracking picture the visual tracker has to follow the track until he can answer questions about the enemy about the uh, the target and uh, as state with accuracy uh, the nature of the of the target um, so sometimes when uh, you start out you you pick up a trail you don't exactly know what uh, what you're looking at what the entirety of the uh, content of your um, of your target is uh, you kind of have some basic information that starts you off and then as you continue you realize uh, your target is meeting somebody else now there's two people or uh, your target met somebody and picked something up from them perhaps and now he's carrying a more weight on in his pack he maybe picked up some ammunition, or he picked up uh, some other material, and now he's carrying a heavier weight, and they part ways, and he heads off in a different direction. So it gives an idea of when you when you first start out, your your tracking pictures is just very minimal information, and then as you move along, 
uh, that picture increases um, in detail. Uh, to obtain a complete tracking picture, uh, the visual tracker has to follow the track until, until the person, the tracker can answer questions about the target and state, uh, state with accuracy uh, the, the nature of the target. And then the, the tracking picture builds up continually with each new piece of information gained. So a visual tracker should be able to deduce part of the picture after a short distance, but then you have to to follow through, the tracker has to follow through with a complete tracking leg before the tracker can have any real confidence in the information from the track. Uh, the further the um, the further the track is followed, uh, the more accurate it is in information. So, uh, part of tracking is following, and part of tracking is is uh, is gathering information about the target that leads to uh, further um, further pursuit of the target. Should the target be uh, across a longer range of distance, or uh, perhaps you lose contact with the target and you have to pick it up again. So the uh, it starts out as a following and then as you go along you get an idea of what the target is doing and where they're headed or their intention and then from that that helps to expand a sort of a, a prediction of where to locate the target at the end of your your pursuit time. So it uh, it's important to build up a picture. You're not just going uh, bit by bit. You are a little bit as you go along, but then after you cover your first tracking leg or your your basic tracking distance. Uh, then you then you have an idea of where you're going to. So, for example, if you're tracking, um, you have uh, you're following a target. You pick up a target over um, somebody's laid a, a an IED, and you are tracking to locate uh, how the, where the IED came from and, and who set it. So you would start out, you have a basic track that starts right there. You have some footprints that don't belong to your patrol party. So you want to track those footprints. So when you start tracking the footprints, you find that the footprints that you have are, they look to be local prints, um, it's a combination of adult and children. Uh, then the children's footprints veer off, and, and now you have two tracks. You have an adult-only track, and you have a child track. So at the beginning, when you have, uh, you have your patrols tracks, and then you have uh, a set of tracks that are not the patrols, this is the beginning. This is your tracking sign. This is the start of your track. 
then as you go along, uh, you realize during your tracking distance, that's a distance of 15 to 20 meters in the track set. Uh, within 15 or 20 meters, you realize this set of footprints isn't just in a set of adult footprints laying an IED. This is an adult with children with them. So there's there's two adults and there's a number of children. You say three children, maybe. So within 15 to 20 meters, you realize that this is this is the actual tracking, the basic tracking picture. An adult set the ID and two adults were there and three children were with them. That's your tracking distance. Your tracking distance now has set your tracking picture. So now you start your tracking leg. So now you're trying to find out what happened here. So you have an idea of who you're following and you start tracking them. Now your next your next distance is 100 to 500 meters. You see what happens within 100 to 500 meters. Within a within 100 meters nothing happens. <clears throat> it's still a group of two adults and three children together. But within 500 meters the adult leaves, one adult leaves. So now there's one adult and three children. So you have two separate sets of tracks. You have a, a set of tracks with one adult and three children, and you have one set of tracks that's from one adult who came in separately. So at this point, now your your tracking area is uh, within a thousand meters because you've gone 500 meters, and you now have two sets of tracks. So you follow the single track the single adult track a little ways. For the next 500 meters, you follow the adult single track and your patrol uh, your patrol either waits at this intersection or they go with you. Uh, and you base this on the fact that the single track has, they're carrying some kind of a weight on them. And you can tell this because their track is, they have a deeper track rather than a light track it's obvious that they're carrying some kind of weight. This is the way you make a decision on this. So you follow them for uh, another 15 to 20 meters, and still you have a single track, and they're, they, they're moving more swiftly. Within your, your tracking leg for the one individual uh, adult male, you can see that they're carrying a heavy weight, and they are moving at a fairly fast rate of speed within the first 15 to 20 meters. Then within the next 100 meters, you see that this rate of speed is, uh, they're kind of scrambling along, maybe to make a deadline, to meet a, to meet a time deadline. Then within 500 meters, uh, your track peters out. So now you don't, now you can't find your, your single adult track. Uh, you look around, you, 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 Pursue this track around uh, in a 500 meter circumference to see if you can locate or pick up the track again. And you can't. It it merges with a road. You can see that the footprints go up onto the road, and you can track it down the road a very short distance, and then the and then the footprints disappear. Uh, and there doesn't seem to be any vehicle. You can't see that a vehicle picked them up. Uh, so you don't really know what happened. Uh, you look around to see if they left the road further on. You go down the road 500 meters one way and down the road 500 meters another way and look and see if you can locate them. 
Um, at this time, you have to make a decision. Do you want to continue trying to go further than 500 meters to locate the track? Or do you want to go back to the split off and follow the other track? Because the other track knows who they met up with. So you do have some information, even if you don't find your original adult male carrying a weight, traveling at a rapid rate of speed, and culminating at the end of the uh, combined track with the IED, then you're going to need to find somebody who knows who they are. So you decide after going up 500 meters and up the road 500 meters, passing to the track, down the road 500 meters from where the track enters the road to see if you you can locate where they where they left the road. You go off the road to on the other side 500 meters out and you do a perimeter. You check out across the perimeter of your 500 meters to see if it's out. If they stepped off the road, if they went 500 meters or 20 meters or 50 meters up the road and then stepped off the road, but within 500 meters all the way around in the distance you lose this track. It's gone. So now you go back to this intersection of track where the you go back to the intersection of track where the single adult male carrying the weight traveling at a rate of speed, uh, rapid rate of speed, intersected with the uh, second adult and the three children. So now you're following a track of a second adult and the three children. And now you follow that. You go for a 100 to 500 meters and you see that they're still together. And then you track for a 1,000 meters in distance or up to a thousand meters in distance, you try to locate, you try to, you can, you're able to follow this track all the way back to a village and, and you're able to locate one of the children in the track. And from that, you're able to locate one of the adults, uh, the, the adult that the child was with and the house that they were at. And from that, you're able to, uh, you observe the house, you pull back and set a surveillance on the house and you wait. And after a while, some people show up and you take a look at some of the tracks. After a while, you notice that your guy shows up to this house. So this is a really simplified, this is a, you know, this is a, this is a scenario. It doesn't really necessarily, you know, have to match up to what you might, what you might encounter would be a lot, might be a lot more comp complicated than that. But that gives you an idea of what you're looking for. So you have your sign, that's your track. You have your tracking distance, that's 15 to 20 meters. That tells you who's there within 15 to 20 meters. Is it one person? Is it two? Is it five? Is it 10? Then you have your tracking leg. This is across a terrain distance of uh, 100 to 500 meters. And this gives you an idea of what happened in uh, the 100 to 500 meters from your, from your start of your tracking point. And then you have your tracking area. This is a, a thousand meters or or more in distance, uh, and this is a this is where you're actually following and building up a tracking picture. And your tracking picture is what is your tracking picture? Well, you have all of that information. You have an adult male carrying weight, going uh, at a, a rapid rate of speed to to make a deadline, to make a time deadline, to meet up with another adult with three children. Who are the three children? Now you have a village. You have the three children. You have one of the three children, and you have one of the adults. So this is your tracking picture. This is what you're developing. And uh, and then you have to look at specifics also. 
Uh, besides carrying a weight, a heavy weight, and traveling at a rapid rate of speed, what else can you say about them? Uh, they're older. They have sort of a they have sort of a hitched gait uh, that is very distinctive. That indicates they might have some hip problems. They might be an older person, or they've had some kind of hip damage. Uh, you can see that they're wearing sandals. They're not wearing shoes. Uh, you can see that um, they might be wearing a robe. The robe is brushing the ground every so often. And you can see that that is, uh, there's a whiffle on the ground that tells you that every so often uh, they're bending their knees. That means that they, they're fairly spry. Uh, they have um, some other distinctive characteristics about their footprint. Uh, when they walk, their toes act a certain way. They walk with a certain type of a, a gait on their foot. Um, and then on your other set of the adult with the three children, you can see that two of the children had, sh had shoes and one, one child was barefoot. Uh, you can tell a little bit about the barefoot child. One was a girl. Two might have been boys, possibly, and so on. So you can put all this together from from the the speed that they're moving, the the length of the track one from another, uh, whether they're walking side by side or in single line, uh, whether they're running or uh, walking slowly. Are they uh, speeding up to meet somebody? Are they slowing down? Uh, they're approaching an area that they're concerned about. As they're approaching this area where they laid the ID, they slowed way down and circled the area a little bit, looking around to see if there's anything to look for, and so on and so on and so forth. So this is how you develop a tracking picture. This gives you an idea of what happened. What happened when these people came through? What were they doing when they came through one way? And when they went out, what happened on the way out? Then you're tracking, you're tracking through that picture or a sort of a developed storyline of events, a sequence of events that occurred that led to or culminated in they're laying this IED together. So then when you encounter one or more of these people, you have some kind of information to work with based on what you see in their tracking picture, and you, and you construct that with the tracking area, the tracking leg, and the tracking distance. And you build those three with uh, your tracking signs. So that gives an idea of what you're looking for. Uh, to determine the direction of a track, you want to estimate the direction the enemy is traveling. Uh, this is fairly, or the, the direction that the target is traveling. So if you're tracking an animal, you do the same thing. Uh, you build the same kind of a picture with an animal. Um, you, you kind of build a picture of what, where the animal's headed to for the day. They have kind of an idea where they're going to go for the day. Uh, first they're going to go to the, to their water source. Then they're going to go through a long intervening area to a grazing area that they know of. And then they're going to stay in the grazing area for a while. And they're going to they're going to move to a second grazing area by means of a, of an intersecting of a, of a intervening, uh, forest area. Uh, during the forest area, they pause for a little while and uh, rest, and then they're going to go through to a second grazing area. And you can build that picture up just the same as you can with footprints. You're using hoof prints in this case uh, for for uh, a herd animal or a grazing animal, and uh, that's what you do with it. Uh, so 
to estimate the direction the target's traveling is fairly easy. Uh, this, with with all aspects of, of visual tracking, it's a process where small bits of information are pieced together by the visual tracker across a larger uh, area to form a larger picture. And then uh, knowing what items to look for and how to identify the items and what item indicates, what each item indicates, and where uh, practice and experience uh, prevent errors on the part of the visual tracker is uh, is drawing conclusions about what you're what you're seeing in uh, each of those items and how you're identifying what you're identifying in them. Um, so there's a kind of a basic list for a tracker to keep in mind for ground sign. Uh, on flat, dry ground, broken twigs or sticks sometimes show um, the two ends of the, the twig is broken into pieces and the two ends uh, are separated and are at an angle to each other. Uh, the apex of that angle points in the direction of travel. This is very simplistic. This, in fact, in a, in a real situation, this doesn't always happen this way. Because a lot of times people, they don't walk, they don't walk cleanly, they shuffle or they move in a way that does not uh, cleanly move in one direction. It sort of shuffles in a certain way that, that uh, will break a twig and uh, knock it uh, forward and then backward. So you want to be careful when you're, when you're doing this to look carefully at what you have. If you have the sticks broken and uh, the twig broken and uh, the apex is not there. One twig is pointing one direction and the other twig is pointing the other direction. That's what's going on there. And uh, you kind of have to, you have to look at some other indicators to determine the direction. So a broken twig, one broken twig, this is not always a, the apex of it is not always a, the only way to tell uh, the direction that, uh, the, that the target's moving in. Uh, sticks that have been caught by a passing boot point can point in the direction of travel. Um, rotten logs and sticks when stepped on crumble and break in a downward direction. And the downward direction and the angle of the break can show the direction of travel. So as a person steps down on some kind of heavier uh, sticks and ground cover and they 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 set their foot down and they roll up onto their the ball of the foot to step forward. When they do that, they break the the ground cover to include sticks and other things that are on it. And then they grind that ground cover uh, back. So they, they push forward with their the toe and ball of their foot and they that pushes what they stepped on back. So that gives an idea of the direction of travel that they're going in. You can kind of tell this when you're looking at the track you can kind of see that it's moving in a certain direction. It doesn't look like it's moving the opposite direction. It looks like it's moving a forward direction. This can be used to mislead the tracker though. So you want to be careful to check it out across a distance. Uh, keep looking at it and keep checking it to make sure that it's going the way it appears to be going because it is a way to uh, mislead the tracker. Um, so there can be bits and pieces of a log or branch that stick to the boot and then are wiped off on low vegetation further along the track. That gives an idea. Uh, they broke the they broke a rotten log at point A 
at point B, there's a partial footprint at point C, uh, bits of log come off the, uh, the bottom of the boot in the tread and are left on some stones and some hard packed area along the side of the trail where they, they stepped up on the side of the trail so they don't leave a, a, clear, a clear print in an attempt to elude pursuit. And, but you can see that a bit of the, uh, the rotted log is crumbled there. And that gives you an idea of where they're moving from. They're moving from the log to point B, which is not clear, to point C, where you can see parts of the log. Um, so that indicates a direction. Uh, bark that's been rubbed off of logs and branches at a level approximately three-quarters of an inch above the ground and then down to ground level will usually be knocked forward in the direction of travel. So um, if the person is approaching a log, they are going to go over the log, they step across the log, then they change their mind. They step back across the log and they, they follow the length of the log down and then they step across the log at that point. They, as they lift their boot back over the log, they knock, uh, they knock part of the um, the bark off the side of the of the downed uh, section of log, and it's knocked across either up the side of the log on the same side, or it grabs the boot and it comes across the log onto the uh, near side of the log with the boot. Now the boot, now the the uh, target continues down the the near side of the log, uh, you know, 100 meters, and then crosses uh, that trail again and continues further up. You can see that that bit of that section of bark that got caught, pulled off the side of the log, gives an idea of the direction that the target's moving in. They did not cross the log. They went up the log on the near side, not on the far side, on the near side. And that gives an idea of it helps you relocate, locate your your track and follow it. And it gives you the direction that they're going in. Um, if a log, a branch, or a root is uh, six inches to three feet above the ground, the bark will be knocked to the rear of the log or the branch away from the from the direction of travel. So this sometimes happens, uh, the boot catches uh, a bit of branch or root that's uh, sticking out, that's protruding from the ground, uh, six inches to three feet, and uh, uh, the bark is knocked back to the rear, or the, the branch is knocked away from the route of travel. So the person passes by the branch and knocks it with their thigh or their leg and it's uh, it points out away from the trail, away from the track and the trail. And then that gives an idea of where they're moving to. They, they're moving at a, at a 90 degree angle to the to that uh, bit of branch that's been knocked aside. Uh, stepping over and not on logs or branches leaves footprints closer to the object uh, the higher it is. 
uh, the rear side of the obstruction clearly shows uh, the forward part of the print while the forward side shows the heel or the full print clearly. So very often the forward print will be deeper than the rear print. So this is just a, this is a fact of walking or, or moving swiftly through varied terrain. Uh, you, the person um, works to pull themselves forward. So when they work to pull themselves forward, uh, they, they stay more on their toes and the front of their foot. And this makes a, a deeper or heavier print to the forward of the foot than to the, to the back of the foot. And this gives, a, this gives some direction also. Uh, in a car leaf carpeted area, by tracking in the direction of movement, uh, shadow becomes more evident. So each stepped on leaf uh, that has been displaced, bent, broken, or tilted uh, will have more distance between it and the ground than an undisturbed leaf, and it casts a shadow. And by looking behind and along the track, this shadow will contrast with the shine on the leaves and give the direction of movement. So this is on a on a on a ground uh, floor ground floor um, surface that is uh, heavily covered with leaf debris. So you have a in a jungle or in a deciduous forest area that's not evergreen, mostly evergreen, it's a mixed, uh, if you're doing your tracking out by uh, Fort Bragg, you, you have a lot of deciduous trees with mixed pine. So the, the ground cover there is, uh, it's heavy leaf cover and it's across a period of time. So the leaves, you know, they fall to the ground. They, they stay on the ground. There's a bottom cover that rots. There's a, a secondary mid-level leaf cover that is uh, damp and still holds the leaves as the leaves are in a, a rotting pattern. And then you have your surface leaves and those are, are dry, uh, fallen leaves that have been down for a while. And then you have your, your newest fallen surface leaves. Those are the ones that just came down recently. Uh, so the newest ones, those crinkle and break. And you can, uh, you can tell uh, that a footprint has passed, uh, your target has passed across there. The footprint has broken the leaf up and or it it's still green enough uh it caught it slides to the right or to the left to the rear of travel so as a foot walks across it it presses uh that leaf to the back left or to the back right um the dry leaves on the surface uh crinkle and break um, sometimes, uh, that leaf cover, like in a jungle setting, that leaf cover stays damp all the time. And, uh, it can be difficult to see, uh, footprints through that area, especially if the person's not wearing boots. If they're not wearing heavy footwear, they're wearing very light footwear. Sometimes the only way to follow their, uh, their passage through the area is to look at the very subtle movement of the leaf cover. Uh, and you can see, looking forward, it looks, um, it looks damp. But looking, walking up the 
the trail and looking back, you can see that there is a slight shadow of uh, moved surface foliage. Uh, the foliage is mostly dead ground cover, and that surface cover has been has been shifted slightly, and you can see the shadow of that shift. Uh, this can be misleading sometimes if there's wind through the area, but if you're talking about in a jungle area, uh, there's a lot. There's not very much of that. Uh, if you're in a, a wooded area, you want to take into account uh, wind moving through the area, but it's uh, that leaves a different kind of leaf movement. So this is uh, this is one of the areas uh, to look at uh, the shadow, both of a moved leaf surface and also of your you might have just some very slight um <clears throat> very slight prints and the depression of those slight prints leaves uh leaves a shadow and if you step back you can see that the the leaves uh are are slightly shiny because they they haven't been disturbed they have a um the matte surface is undisturbed and the shiny the shiny look is it's been disturbed so that gives you an idea of what that that creates sort of a path contrast uh matte matte opaque surface is undisturbed a uh, shiny kind of uh uh slightly changed color uh, light brown versus very very light brown. This is uh, this creates sort of a very pale trail that you can see. It actually looks like a trail, like an animal trail. You can see this a lot with animals uh, when you when you follow animals. Uh, they leave a a very slight pale light trail across uh, um, a mostly undisturbed surface, and that's. It can be difficult to follow, but it's one thing to look for. Uh, in places where the leaf carpet is deep, uh, you want to place a hand in the print impression and uh, and feel uh, for the heel and toe. Um, the leaves uh, create sort of a spongy, uh, um, like a mattress, and so when the when the foot steps into it, it, it creates a print, but it's not really uh, indicative of the the full print. And when it when the foot moves off of that, uh, it the the depression compresses slightly, and then it and then it uh, it bounces back up because that that uh, that leaf cover is real thick and heavy, and it it creates a a sort of a um, a uh, bouncy surface that the person is walking on, and the surface doesn't stay depressed. It uh, it rises back up again to almost the normal surface level. So to determine where your track is and how deep it is and and uh, where your where your track is, you can put your hand in, and this kind of gives you a better idea. But visually, it looks like it's uh, much more shallow, and uh, scarcely there than it, when you put a put your hand in. It. This gives you an idea of how of how deep it actually is. 
Uh, in tropical areas, uh, well, tilted leaves, uh, these most often are turned in the direction of travel. Uh, so a, a leaf tilted one way, if it's tilted out, uh, it can you can see um, that the person has maybe pulled it forward in their direction of travel with the bottom of the boot has pulled it forward. Or uh, maybe the toe of the boot has caught it and pushed it under. And this, uh, this indicates uh, the back to front movement. Uh, in tropical areas where there are, are no seasons, uh, young growing plants can be, these can be encountered all year long. And in areas where there are seasons, spring will uh, be the time for the young plants. Uh, when young and tender vegetation is stepped on, um, it it's squashed, broken, bruised, or bent, and it exposes the white undersides of the leaf. And uh, those small plants will also be bent over in the direction of travel. So you can see there's like a... <clears throat> You have a you have a small knee height uh, green leafed plant that is bent. It hasn't been broken over, but it's been bent over uh, in the direction that the person's moved through and bent it with their knees and and lower legs and and the passage of their movement through that area. Uh, in soft ground, the footprint can be used to guide the visual tracker into an ambush. Uh, so deception can be employed by walking backwards and where the toe print is seen. You want to note where the toe print is seen and then uh, the target, if walking forward, will carry dirt forward of the print. And if they're walking, if, if it's suspected that the target is, is walking backward, uh, you want to look at the heel of the print. And if the, if the target is walking backward, uh, the dirt is dragged backward from the heel of the print. So there's kind of like a little dash off the heel. Uh, also, you can see usually, because the person is using their heel as they would normally use their toe, they're walking backwards to create a the appearance of a forward track when a back track is being done. So they would normally, they would put their, their weight on their heel and move forward to the ball of their foot. In this case, they're putting their weight on the ball of their foot and moving to the heel of their foot. And then there's then they're rolling off the heel of their foot, so you can see uh, that the indentation of the track at the back, the heel has like a marked um, cusp in it that is very distinct, that indicates that they are moving backwards and not forwards. Normally, the heel doesn't leave that <clears throat> that sharp uh, um, a a uh, semicircle at the back of the heel and then it'll have a little it'll have a little dash of dirt off the back of it and that indicates the person's walking backwards um skid and slide marks when going up or down a hill that indicates the direction of travel uh small stones and rocks all moved will all be moved slightly if not completely overturned <clears throat> when they're stepped on uh, with overturned stones you want to find the original position and the stone should be forward of that spot. And then rocks, when they're stepped on, will tilt slightly forward and then return to their original position. You can tell that they're loose. And uh, this leaves a slight gap between the stone and the dirt in the direction of travel. You can kind of see that the stone was knocked forward and then rolled back into it, it settled back into its uh, 
its depression where it's normally seated at. Usually that dirt is tight against the stone, so when you see that the dirt is broken loose, that means something with some weight has been stepping on it. Uh, in tropical monsoon countries, uh, small, the exposed roots, small exposed roots and twigs, branches and vines on the ground have a, a ridge of dirt or a dirt seal beneath them. So they, when you lift these up, you have to actually sort of un... They, they have an, they're adhered to the ground. So it's like an adhesive. You almost have to, you pull them apart and they, they kind of, they kind of schlick up. Uh, and underneath it's all dark colored and uh, on top it's all light colored. Um, uh, the, that dirt seal will be crushed when a twig or a branch is stepped on. And in the case of roots, uh, when being stepped on, the root pushes the dirt ridge away from itself and uh, in the direction of travel, and then returns to its original position. Um, when encountering that, you want to recreate the original root disturbance, the direction of travel. Uh, you want to try to you want to try to see where the root was originally. It'll be moved, and you want to try to locate where it was originally to give an idea of what the the direction of travel is sometimes this is the only thing you see you can't really see any footprints the person is uh, they might be traveling barefoot uh, this happens in the Amazon or they might be traveling with very light footwear uh, in Vietnam or in uh, Cambodia uh, these are jungle areas and really the only sign of movement through the area that you'll see is uh, some disturbed uh, um, ground cover like uh, roots and some branches and so on. And this dirt seal will kind of be, they'll have stepped on a vine and shifted it so that the dirt seal that, that, uh, usually just like with a stone, when it gets knocked loose, the dirt seal is loose and it, uh, it creates like, it looks like a, it looks like it's been taped across the top and the, the dirt is, uh, above the broken seal of dirt is, uh, slightly, raised off the um the ground the ground cover and that you can see that they they stepped on that vine otherwise there's no print there you can't see any print they don't there's nothing's been left there other than that the uh the ground has been disturbed as it was moved across uh ant hills are found in most of the tropical areas of bush and jungle around the world uh, they differ in size and construction. Some have elaborate domes uh, that vary in height from three inches to three feet. Uh, and others are open uh, cast holes where earth has been deposited around an entrance to the nest, which is mainly underground. And it creates sort of like a volcano-like mound. And uh, some are made of sand and some are made of clay. This is the same for termite mounds. In some areas, uh, if you work in Africom, you come across that also. Uh, in cases they're uh, made with earth brought up from underneath and being familiar with anthills in the area um, that can aid in tracking by noting any damage to the anthills. Uh, usually most people stay off of anthills um, but uh, the ants do change a lot of the area. They have a circumference of area that they work in and they have a they have a um, a sort of a way that they're 
their area is laid out within that circumference. And when somebody goes through the circumference of that area, which lies to, you know, up to 100 meters outside of their nest, uh, it changes the pattern of their their work across that area. This is assuming that, uh, you know, there's not regular traffic through there. Normally, it's just the ants that are out there and some animals. So you can see that uh, you can see that a hyena passed through, and uh, and you can also see that uh, recently a person passed through, because the normal ant uh, activity area around the the ant mound, the the uh, area that they work in, is a little bit different. They have kind of a in a lot of areas the dirt is got kind of a little um, pearl-like texture, and uh, this makes very clear footprint. Uh, in some areas, they um, they clear all the, the leaf and debris out of the area immediately adjacent to the nest, and so on. So you can kind of, this helps to note if anything's going on. If you're tracking animals, uh, you know, if you're, you, uh, some animals will stop at a, at a, uh, an ant mound or a termite mound and um, use it for various purposes. So it's always a good idea to have some idea um, of what they look like and what disturbance to them looks like. Uh, worm casts are useful in determining direction. Uh, visual, if a visual tracker is familiar with the worm casts in damp, wet, or dry, you can find that they help determine the direction the enemy, the, the target is taking. Um, Worm casts in very wet areas, obviously this would be jungle or deciduous, uh, mountain and jungle. Um, mount, high mountain, you're not going to see a lot of worm casts, but you do down in valleys and, and uh, along wet areas. Uh, top sign, this is where vegetation crosses a path. So we've gone over uh, determining the direction of travel and... Um, this can kind of be a little bit difficult. Uh, sometimes it's hard to tell if the person is arriving or departing, and uh, it can take a little bit of uh, practice looking at different kinds of movement to see whether the person has arrived on a track or departed on a track. Usually within uh, your tracking leg, you can figure it out. So within 20 to to 50 feet, you can usually figure out whether they've arrived on that track or departed on that track. Uh, so talk about a little, a little bit about top sign. Where vegetation crosses a path, uh, the target will have opened the vegetation in the form of a gate, and this vegetation often swings back across the path, and the visual tracker then um, can note the, the direction by opening the vegetation up in the path of least resistance. So you can see that uh, you can see that it's been knocked open and and come back like a gate. Uh, either either a single gate that goes across the track or a double gate that opens uh, at a midpoint and then snaps back. So you can tell by um, the leaves are disturbed on the branches. Uh, sometimes bits and pieces are knocked off. Sometimes bark is knocked off. Uh, 
the the branches don't sit right. They don't look like they have sat there untouched in your your naturescape. They look like they've been adjusted in some way. And then when you open it, you can tell that they went through that way. If they go through the other way, you can tell they went through the other way because the the branches normally uh they point uh we'll say north if the person is coming if your target is coming through southbound and they have to pass through that they pull that open and they pass through and they let it drop behind them but as they go through they they pull some of that um the leaf and foliage uh encompassing the area with them southbound so your northbound opening looks looks ruffled and and rumpled like it's uh, it's somebody's gone through the opposite way uh when moving through vegetation uh the target will brush up against leaf covered branches and the leaves will be slightly tilted that show the lighter underside of the leaf and the degree of the tilt the bruising and damage depend on the uh number of target passing through the area and the load they were carrying. Uh, after heavy rain, the leaves will fall back into position, provided that the branches have not been broken. Um, after heavy rain, they don't really fall back into the original position. Uh, the rain weights the leaf, and the leaf goes to its lowest point and holds that lowest point. And then when it dries, it springs back slightly, and now it's recovered a, a mostly normal uh normal vegetative state in that in, in that environment. So whatever indicator has been on that leaf is sort of wiped off by the rain. Uh, rain weights objects and pulls them down towards the ground. And then uh, when they dry, they either remain at that lowest point or they, they rebound slightly and spring back slightly. And you lose your, you lose a lot of your original your original indicator on that uh, on that item, a leaf or branch or whatever it is you're looking at. Uh, in all forested, wooded, or jungle areas, the, the natural phenomenon of falling leaves and branches produces dead branches and leaves hanging in the vegetation. Uh, so when a target passes through an area, the dead vegetation can sometimes be broken or knocked to the ground, showing the direction. So there's like bits of leaf and debris uh, caught up in some of the, the ground cover, which is knee high or ankle high or calf high or thigh high. And as they pass through, they knock some of this loose. Um, and so you want to pay attention to that. So you can clearly see the trail. Uh, and then you can tell from the fact that some bits of branch are knocked that had some bits of branch that were lodged in that, uh, we'll say just above the knee um, ground cover, forest cover, low-lying forest cover, vegetative cover, uh, vegetation cover is that it was knocked to the outside, to the outside right and up. So this indicates the direction of travel. It gives you, you kind of have to put more than one together. Usually sometimes it's real clear with one, but a lot of times you have to do two, three, four, five of them to establish your direction of travel with that. Um, the openings caused by the passage of the target through the vegetation 
can contain many signs in both the, the growing and the dead vegetation. And as a visual tracker, you don't want to accept one or even two of the, uh, above those, those of each of those items as confirmation of the track. You want to, you want to put together, uh, a group of them to establish for certain, the direction that they're moving. And you don't want to just, sometimes your, your track is very, very thin and very, very light. You, the person, the, the target that you're following is, uh, they're very good at uh, hiding their track. Big cats are like this. They they leave very little, very little track behind them, and you're so you're, you're following a very very light trail. And when you're doing this, um, you you know it it can be difficult to maintain your trail. Uh, you don't have enough items to necessarily determine your trail real clearly all the way along uh with a person who's heavy and they're moving quickly through an area this is a little bit easier but if you're following if you're following an animal that's uh, light-footed and they're not leaving much of a track you you kind of have to string together uh, a number of different uh directional indicators so uh you're looking at leaves and the shadow of leaves and you're also looking at uh um, the direction that uh, broken vegetation and bracken to the side is showing, and you're also you're also looking at uh, the footprints itself. There's the each of the footprints, each footprint to see which direction it it looks like it's going, and then you're putting all three of those together to give your to give your direction of travel. Um. The openings caused by the passage of a of a of a target can contain many signs, and uh, of the ten different signs given, uh, a visual tracker would be able to accurately determine the direction of a target after seeing confirming five to seven of those different signs that have been mentioned all the way through here. Um, you got your ground sign and you've got your top sign. You kind of want to combine those to a total of five to seven kind of ongoing, not just at any one time, but ongoing to establish your your direction of travel and, and determine that your direction of travel is continues to be the same, uh, continues to be the same direction. It doesn't change direction. Uh, you want to continuously check that and make sure that the person, the, the target that you're following hasn't changed direction suddenly. Uh, how to gauge the speed of movement is can this can be a little bit difficult and uh, takes some experience and some some uh, practice. Uh, the visual tracker has to be aware of the body size of the of the target that uh, he's following and also has to be familiar with the distance between the steps of the target traveling at a normal walking rate and at an accelerated walking rate. And then of course you gotta you gotta add in uh, terrain. So obviously if they're walking uphill, it's gonna be slower. They're walking downhill. This is going to be faster. You got to remember that uphill can be a slight uphill and not very visible, and a downhill can be a slight downhill and not very visible. Uh, if they're scrambling across rocks or varied terrain, how fast is that? This is uh, this, this slows down travel. Even if they're moving at a fast rate of speed, this slows their travel down. So you got to take into account the terrain that they're moving through. Also, uh, the normal distance of a six man's 
six foot man's uh, stride would be greater than that of uh, the normal distance of a five foot man or uh, a four foot woman or a three foot child. So you want to, you want to have an idea of uh, how large the person is that you're following. And you kind of get an idea of this, of if you're following locals, what is it, you know, what is the average local size? This gives you an idea that you can kind of, this helps you develop an idea of what you're looking at. So most of your, most of your locals, their, their average size is somewhere around five feet. And you see suddenly that there's a, you've got a track where the, they're obviously not taking a five foot person, five foot tall person stride. They're taking a, a six foot person's stride. This is very obvious because, you know, a five, five, most of the strides around the area are that of a five foot person or thereabouts. And you've got one that's, that's out of, out of, uh, the same. It's much longer and much more obvious that uh, they're taking a longer stride. Uh, the, a track that shows prints that are a greater distance apart than the normal walking step, uh, than the enemy or than the target is moving faster than a normal walk. So the faster the person walks, uh, the greater distance apart this the. Uh, the, the prints are, uh, unless they break into a, a jog. If they break into a jog or sh or a, a shuffling run, uh, then that reduces that, uh, that stride distance or track distance between the prints reduces suddenly to very short. So, but you can kind of tell that, uh, when you're looking at your, at your tracking leg, uh, you want to confirm the prints if the ball and forward portion of the print, the footprint or the boot print, uh, is very pronounced. Um, that's noted and and recalled. When I say recorded here, this means you kind of put it into a memory set for this this particular track that you're looking at, and then you want to kind of remember those memory sets across a period of time so that you can compare them. You remember tracking somebody uh, three years ago that had this or that very unique tracking um specific about them and you encountered again three years in the future it's not the same person but you can kind of put that together uh they had some kind of knee damage and it made a very unusual track that you couldn't identify until you when you encountered them you realized they had knee damage now you're seeing somebody who has a similar track you can see that the person has knee damage and you you see that that's that's what caused that track so you want to when you record it, this isn't a written recording or a verbal recording. It's a, uh, it's something that you do in your memory. Uh, you still want to record those before any further assessment is made. And then if there's scuffed earth to the rear, as well as to the front, uh, then the probability of a rapidly moving group is increased. Um, Finally, and this uh, at a, a close examination of both the top and ground sign is made together, and uh, the visual tracker is now looking for a greater disturbance of the vegetation, uh, broken sticks that have been vigorously broken, uh, torn and jagged vegetation, branches that have been roughly thrust aside, 
and an increase in the amount and size of broken branches indicates that uh, the target's moving very rapidly. Uh, if you're going through, a, if you're looking at a jungle, uh, the foliage will be just torn apart, torn aside as the as the person rips and tears through the 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 jungle wall and creates a, a hole through it. Um, there's a possibility of finding clothing threads on the on vegetation uh, and oil, skin oil. The person sweats heavily. They're moving very fast. They start to sweat. Uh, they're getting dirty. Uh, dirt and oil on their skin is building up. They've been they've been out uh, evading and eluding um, pursuit for three days or four days or five days. So now they have a buildup of oil on their skin. And that oil is brushing against uh, against tree bark or against leaves or against some vegetation. Uh, and it leaves kind of a residue. You can see the residue um, where they pass through real close areas of vegetation, sometimes on stone. You can see it 